The following contains language and descriptions of scenarios that are not suitable for all listeners. This podcast contains numerous triggers for those affected by traumatic events, including rape, domestic violence, suicide, homicide, and accidents of various kinds. Names, titles, and locations have been altered to protect the privacy and safety of the living and the dead. The views and opinions expressed by hosts and guests of this podcast are for entertainment and information purposes only and should not be viewed as medical, legal, or other professional advice. Cooler Talks back live. We're not live. I don't know why the fuck I said that. Um, <laughs> anyway, dude, we're going to put down an episode. <laughs> Fuck, dude. Why do you let me do shit, dude? You insist. I started off like, like shit every week, dude. I'd just say something <laughs> fucking stupid. It's like, I don't know how a stand-up comedian could really do it. Like, they pull you up on stage, and then you just start talking. And oh, it's I, easy. It's... <laughs> it is. It's, it's easy. It's easier than this, dude. You think? Yeah, can you just get real-time feedback from your audience. This, we're just talking off into space and okay, I mean, throwing ourselves at the mercy of our listeners. I guess that's true. It's rough. Yeah. Anyway, uh, back at it with Rachel this week. Woo. Uh, freaking love that episode. So thank you for coming back. Oh, um, you're welcome. I'm excited mm-hmm. to be back. Yeah, I'm super excited to dive deep into that. Uh, that that really got my. I, I was thinking about it all week. Really? I think about uh, a lot of episodes all week, but this one was more like since it wasn't. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It was like I learned about a totally new industry, and then I mean we'll get we'll get into it. But like you have such um. How do I, you you have like this area where you can really disclose things, and like the responsibility that comes with that is so great to me um, that I find it really uh, admiring. So that's that, that's really cool. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to get into that. Uh, we got Cameron, her son, live in studio. I haven't seen him in too long, four months. Been a few months, yeah. Yeah, it's been a while, man. Uh, so we got him in. Anthony, you got any shout outs or anything? I don't know if you do or not. No, I don't have any shout outs. No? Not since last week, no. Um, at Shout out to me. I turned 30. There you go. Oh, no, Yay. No, I did. What? I know. Happy Thank you. I'm what? old. Yes. We don't, I don't want to talk about it ever again. So you know what's sad is I had no idea. <laughs> uh, that's why I called you on Friday night drunk off my ass. I was like, oh, Mark, dude. Mark. That was like, so funny. Hey, no, are, they, are they going to come on the show next week? Who? We'll talk about it after yeah, the show. Okay. I don't remember who okay. I, I don't remember All who right. I talked about. Um, yeah. yeah. No, he did. He called me drunk. Um, yeah, it was funny. Yeah, it wasn't. No. <laughs> it was good. It was not. Uh, Luca, who we're going to call right after this and do a Zoom call with. I guess shout out to Luca. Heck yeah. Um, yeah, anyway, dude, let's fucking, let's get into it, bro. Let's do this. Um, you know, just tell me about your week. How, how was your week? How, after you went home, you're famous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, like, how was it? How was it? It was good. Um, I uh, worked all week pretty much, same as always, and it was uh, not a bad week. At all, too, not too stressful or anything. Nothing bad happened. Mm-hmm. It's always a good day. So, is that when when you have a, a patient come in, right, and you get ready to prepare it? Is there any stress? Like, no, are you, it's no? so weird. It's I guess I've been doing it so long. It's just so I have a routine, mm-hmm. you know, and I just start from the beginning and um, tell them what I'm looking at and just keep going and look at everything I need to look at. And we talk a lot to the patients, you know, and ask them questions and they tell me things and. So um, it, it goes really well. I mean, um, you know, it's always, you know, I have to keep talking and not always say things. If if I do see something, though, mm-hmm. that is wrong or abnormal, though, that's 
where, like, I, I think I was telling your wife, I ha- you have to have a poker face sometimes. Yeah. And I've actually been told by a patient that I have a good one. She goes, I had no idea that anything was wrong, you know, because you were, and I was glad because, I mean, I don't want them to have, to be worried, you know. Right. Because they don't always go straight to a doctor after they see you. Right, right. right. They Sometimes they have to wait a few days or a week or so mm-hmm. before they get any results or anything. And, it, and sometimes it's not like super major abnormal, but it still is still worrisome because it's your baby. Right, yeah. Um, and and that's like, I guess that's what I was talking about, that responsibility. So how often do, do you have the choice? You, you do have like a little bit of freedom, right, to yes. say something. Mm-hmm. And so in what instance do you say something? I guess if it's some, not something major that I – that um, the patient's not going to have too many questions over. Of course, we talked about the baby being not alive, mm-hmm. being alive. We pretty much have to tell the patient because it's just, it's just. I think it's cruel mm-hmm. to just walk out of the room and not say anything. And then, so you kind of just, you know, start talking to them and, you know, trying to talk to them as easy as possible to, and let them you know, then you let them sit up and then give them some tissues and then you kind of talk to them for a minute. And then you're, you say, I'm going to step out. I'm going to go get the doctor to come talk to you. And sometimes we have to go get their husband if they're not allowed to come in or whatever, but, mm-hmm. or have them call somebody. But um, if it's something else like um, the baby's small or they have to have other testing done that day, then yeah, we can tell them because, you know, they're going to wonder why they're having this other test done, you mm-hmm. know, but just say your baby's measuring a little bit small today and sometimes that can be just uh, kind of a normal thing because some what we call that constitutionally small some babies are just small and s- certain ethnicities of course can be smaller than you know and some baby babies are bigger than others I mean there's not like a, every baby six pounds five ounces you know right. there's such a big range um, but if, if they're too small it can be worrisome if the baby's not growing appropriately so we have to tell I tell them that and or if maybe their amniotic fluid's too high or too low that day, they, they need to have something done. Maybe sometimes they get sent to the hospital and be delivered, you know. So we never know for sure what's going to happen if they're going to actually deliver the patient. But, you know, um, we go and talk to the patient and then ask, maybe speak to the doctor and then they come back and they talk to the patient as well. And then they decide, you know, she needs to go to the hospital or whatever they decide to do. Mm-hmm. Dang. So when you, how often do you get to, like, follow up on it? You know, that's kind of the hard part is a lot of times we don't get the follow-up on patients. And I guess if, if uh, particular cardiac abnormalities, if we know the patient has, the baby has a cardiac abnormality, and they're, if it's something that requires surgery, which the cardiolo- the pediatric cardiologist decides if they're going to be sent to the other city, and um, they decide if... Um, uh, where the patient feels comfortable going. Sometimes they have family in a bigger city, or so they send them to that place, mm-hmm. you know, so they can be closer to family because they may be there for a while. Like they'll they'll send them to, when the patients before they deliver, and um, they can stay in like uh, the Ronald McDonald House or something like that. Have you ever heard of those before? Where, no, I don't think I have. Yeah, so it's like really cool that um, they're like places that they can stay. The the patient and her husband, and then they just wait until the baby's delivered you know so they can it's kind of like it's not really a hotel but they have it like Mm -hmm. set aside for them and they feed them and people come in and volunteer it's really cool but um they um can stay there or some people stay in hotels it could be really expensive though I think if you did that but so um yeah they go down there and then they um decide that when they're going to deliver and then they deliver them in a controlled environment and then they can take the baby and be 
evaluated and they know that the baby has to have either be evaluated and possibly usually they don't have surgery like right away it just depends on what it is if mm-hmm. what the abnormality is on the baby so um but some of them do require surgery pretty quickly and you were talking you talk i don't think we talked about it on the show about the surgery that they can do um we didn't talk about that on the show did we mm-hmm. yeah can you um you explained a condition uh a spine, spine condition spina yeah. bifida yeah can you just kind of go into that again yeah so um if if the patient decides that they would want to be interested in um their specific facilities all there's a few in the United States that you can go to um and um, they can actually uh, do in utero surgery. So they um, pretty much like do like a kind of a C-section, but just barely take out the baby just a little, and they, they repair the spine, and then they sew the baby back up and put, sew her uterus back up, and, and then the baby does well, better, than if it, if it was to... Pr- the, what happens is spine, on spina bifida, um, it progresses and it gets worse. So what happens is, like, there's an opening in the very part of the spine, wherever it's located. It can be anywhere. And, um, I mean, and there's there's specific things that you have to uh, qualify for this surgery, of course. It can't just be – there's a lot of things that go into deciding who's going to get the surgery or not, you know, because it's, it's a pretty big deal. And, I mean, I'm not sure how long the surgery takes because I've never actually seen there right. seen it. But we have seen some patients, and they've had really good outcomes. So it's pretty amazing, though, that they can even do that. And then the mom just goes, um, usually they keep them there for the, the rest of the pregnancy, and then the baby just grows, and they just, then they deliver. And uh, so what happens if they have spina bifida, though, their spine pulls down, and so um, there's, like, this little sac that has, like, their spinal cord in it. And so, because um, there's just, like, that defect in the in the skin where the, and so the, the spine pulls down on the brain. And so that can cause lots of problems with the baby's brain and fluid buildup and things like that. So if they can keep that from happening, the baby does better. That's just wild that they can do that now, bro. I'll tell you. <laughs> it blows my mind. Medicine's dude. come a long ways just in the past 50 years, hasn't it? Gosh, it's crazy. I can't even find a stud in the wall, but they could take a baby out. Well, you know. You know what I mean? <laughs> dude. <laughs> If you have the right equipment, oh wait, no, we tried. Never mind. You know what? You know we're not going to talk about construction. Um. Yeah, I had to have Anthony come over and remount my TV because I couldn't find a stud yeah, for it's shit. Okay. And I tried for about thirty minutes, and it's not that I couldn't find it. It's just like I put maybe seven holes in that wall. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so I'm not going to get the deposit back, but you know. Uh oh. No rented space. Yeah, I just can't believe they can do things like that now, and that um. Uh, that's like when you know I want to go to med school. When I hear stuff like that, it scares the shit out of me to think that like if I chose that path, you know, like holy crap, dude, that's that's insane, dude. It's just I don't have that steady of hands, you know. But that blows my mind, dude. That blows my mind. Um, and it, as you got like further into it, how how long was it into your like your career, your profession, that um, that you started like seeing major things happening? Or you started noticing things were wrong, or something. Did it all come come kind? Did it come kind of quick, or did you have a little bit of time? Oh gosh, I can't even imagine. My first few ultrasounds I performed were probably. It scares me to even think that you know mm-hmm. what did I miss anything or what you know. But not that I know of. But you know, it just. But it still scares me. You know, to think how much I know more now than I did back then, and it's just all that experience 
is a day-to-day thing. And mm-hmm. I never stop learning. I mean, there's I learn something all the time. Something new, something that I didn't even know could happen. I mean, and I've been doing this 23 years. And it's that's what's so exciting about it, kind of, you know, because um, when you see something, you don't always know what it is. And so, like, you finish the ultrasound, and you're like, okay, I have to write this report now. And uh, you have to go look in, the, in, in medical books to try to figure out if you can figure out, like, a differential. Like, sometimes some things don't even, um, like, we, we have to say it could be this, this, or this, you know. And mm-hmm. so that's what we call a differential. So we don't, we don't ever really know for sure that that could be some, certain things. And so just like the heart defects, they are so complex sometimes and so confusing and you know, you're, when you think about it, you're looking inside someone, looking inside someone else. Right, yeah. So you've got a lot of limitations there on what we can see. It's different than when you're just putting the ultrasound probe just on somebody's heart or, the, like, the baby's heart. It's a little bit more controlled environment. And so um, when you uh, – sometimes you just have to kind of talk to the doctor that reads the ultrasounds, you know. Um, they have a lot of experience as well, but sometimes they, they're – clueless as well and so we have to come together and sometimes we even ask each other you know like sometimes we just have read this journal article because that's another thing that medicine is about is continuing education you always have to be up on what's new and go to these conferences and you learn so many things and then you're like um uh, all these other physicians and all these other stenographers you get to talk to them and see what the things and they've learned and things like that I mean some of the things we found can be really rare and so it's like things that you, like, hardly any data is on. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's the thing in our area, we get a lot of abnormalities. And so I don't know if it's just because we have kind of a high teen pregnancy right here, or if it's just, you know, we just have a lot of pregnancy, and so you got more abnormals. I don't know, but um, so it's, it's, you learn a lot if you're in a facility like mine, Mm -hmm. because we get all the abnormals. I mean, they come from all over different states all around because we're a little closer than they would have to go to where their other, uh, a closer place that they would see a high risk patient. So. And that's the nice thing about being here is we are like a hub, Mm -hmm. you know, and then centrally located. Yeah. And that's super nice. You know, that, that made it kind of, uh, interesting for the mortuary work, you know, getting to travel, um, Mm -hmm. There weren't, I don't know how to word this. I guess there weren't other funeral homes that weren't uh, equipped to work like homicides out there yeah. in different different towns. I don't know if they were. I mean, everyone's equipped. I don't know. I don't know how to explain that. I mean, why did we have to go out, out, of, uh, out of town? I think it's because we held all the contracts with the county. And well, and that's true. And so, <laughs> I guess I would have just thought a little bit. No, no. I mean, I, like, I don't know why. No, I mean, if I had to take thing. a guess, it's probably why. Just because we were contracted out to the county and all the private funeral homes were like, <laughs> we're not doing that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I remember like going at, um, I almost said the town name. Uh, it's like two hours away, right? Mm-hmm. It's little, it's a dump. I mean, it's not really a dump, but there's just nothing there, right? Like, I don't even have a Walmart. Oh, yeah. And like a lot of these little small towns, I don't have a Walmart or anything. Um. Bro, it was like this triple homicide. I remember like pulling up. This is where I got that gun pulled on me. I uh, oh, yeah. I got lost. I I get lost and uh, I go to this this guy. I was just asking asking for directions. He's in a wheelchair, and I'm, I see him in his garage. So I'm like, okay, I have no idea where I'm at. The judge is no help. You, dude, don't tell me it's 15 miles west. Turn north. I don't know that, bro. I don't know that. Tell me the street name that I could plug into Google Maps, dude. I don't know, bro. I don't. I never had a compass. Okay. <laughs> God blessed me with an iPhone. 
Okay, I, that's that's the way it was. Just tell me the address, dude. And it was at a house. It's not like this was anywhere where I needed north, bro. I didn't. I never needed that anyway. So <laughs> I go up to this garage. And I'm going to ask this man for directions. Sorry, and he uh, he pulled a gun on me very quickly. I was like, "Get the fuck out of here!" I was like, "No, that's cool too, dude. I'll just <laughs> let me get back in the van. I was just trying to help out your community and shit." But that's uh, uh, fine. So I get in the van and I'm with this girl. Uh, she's a student and um, she had never done a removal before. And I didn't know that till like an hour into the drive when she's like, hey, thanks for taking me on my first call. I was like, oh, shit. I'm going to go on a triple homicide. There's going to be blood everywhere. I'm going to have to body bag everybody, roll them, tuck, do all this stuff. I'm probably going to be covered in blood by the end of this. And uh, I mean, that's just how it is. Like if you have somebody new, right? Like, no, it's hard to roll a body, do like these different things. And so it's not her fault, but... It's not her fault. Uh, anyway, what was I getting? Oh, yeah. So <laughs> finally I go north and then west and then whatever else he told me to do. And I find this house. And and let me let me just say this. Why else he should have sent me the direction? Because the house was like on the main road, bro. It's oh, not, okay. Yeah. yeah. It's not even like, gosh darn it. It was, anyway. it was one of like three houses in town. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was like, yeah. <laughs> Drive down the main road. If you get a gun pulled one. on you by a guy in a wheelchair, you've yeah, gone too yeah, far, yeah, turn back too around. Far. And I was, bro, I was like way outside of town. Because I'm thinking, if you send me directions for north, it has to be on the country, bro. It has to be in butt-fucking Egypt where nobody knows. No, dude, it was main road right there. There's freaking, if he even, anyway, dude, I felt like an idiot. So I get there, we get out. And um, I mean, sure enough, there's like there's three bodies laying there. Two of them are on the ground and one is still like hanging out of the car. And so I'm like, damn, bro, like, it's going to be rough. There's no firefighters anymore. They all went home. It's just the judge. And he's like, it took you a little bit to get here. And I was like, well, we live two hours away. And <laughs> so I was, no, he was actually really, really nice. I actually really like that judge. But, um, and so we get out. We start doing work. And she actually did really well. We got the bodies and stuff like that. Um, it always sucks when you have to get somebody out of a car, though, because there's no easy way. You got to kind of just push them out and catch them with a bag and go down gently. And, uh, I mean, <laughs> you can do it a ton of different ways, but that's the easiest if you're lucky enough to have them in a different, in a nice position, I guess. Some people. Some people just kick them out on their heads. Yeah, some care. people you've got to. Eventually, there's some people that sit so close to their steering wheel. Yeah. And they're a little bit bigger. So there's no wiggle room. So you're pulling on an arm, just trying to get them out. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes you wish you could just drop kick everything out. Oh. But. No, anyway, so we, we do that call. Um, I had no idea where this conversation is going because. I don't know. How'd the student perform, though? Oh, you know what? She did good. I have a question about the judge. So why is there a judge there? Okay, so bigger cities and stuff, they probably have, like, medical examiners that go out, and they determine whether or not somebody needs an autopsy or something. Um, We don't. We just have justice of the peace. And so they'll go out. They don't go on every call. Um, If it's, like, a clear-cut heart attack or something, um, they don't have to go out there. But, yeah, they go out there, and they just kind of tell us, like, especially major calls like that, anything... That's a homicide. You always see a judge there. Um, yeah, so. And they go out there and they just tell us whether or not you need to go to autopsy. And then the um, your job is completely different after that. If you have to go to autopsy, then you have to make sure to seal the bag, ankle tag right away. Because once you seal the bag, there's no – if you open it back up again, you're probably getting in a lot of trouble. A lot. If Actually, you, I think you go to jail for that if you if you bust a sealed bag. Yeah, we um, we had somebody that took an IV out of somebody. And they opened, it wasn't even um, like a homicide case. It was just, uh, it was an ER death. And they do a lot of autopsies for ER deaths. And 
they got down to the medical examiner and they saw that little hole and then they started a homicide investigation. So <laughs> you got to be super careful, dude. Um, I had one guy one time. I don't know why he did this, but some, so during homicide investigations, they'll uh, put brown bags over their hands and duct tape them up. And for some reason he took off that bag after we got back to the office. I don't know what he was doing. Um, and he got in a lot of trouble. And that preserve like yeah, to make sure nails and things like yeah, that. Yeah, see if there's it. any skin or anything underneath. Anything and, that's uh, on the hand, gunpowder residue, uh, DNA from the assailant, oh, yeah. whatever. Yeah, he got in a lot of trouble. I remember like the uh, I don't want to call them special forces, but the um, the detectives came back out to the office and they had to the special education. The guys. special yeah. education, yeah. The special the guy. <laughs> what would you call those guys? The, They're. Uh, well, they had a did. fancy name, but I we can't say it because it might distinguish that. the department. Oh, um, yeah. But they could come back out and they... Yeah. Specialized yeah. investigative units. Yeah, they there came out. Go. Yeah, that was intense. Yeah, they those, were those dudes pissed. get mad. Yeah. You remember how mad they used to get when we couldn't get fingerprints off of people that oh had been dead God. for like three weeks? Dude. And they... they Okay, so when someone's been down for a long time, you know your fingers shrivel up and they get all gross. And these guys would always come out whenever we had a bad decomp body. I'd be like, oh, we have to get identification on this guy. And so they'd get a syringe and try to inject fluid into the fingertips to plump it back up so they could get a fingerprint off of it. It never worked. Never and they worked. would waste an hour of your time, and they would get so pissed off, dude. Can't get this shit working. I had one of them one time ask for a pair of pliers so he could pull a tooth out, dude. They were going to try to use dental oh records. Oh, my God. Dude, I, uh, we had this one guy in the cooler, and they never found out who he was. I guess they did, like, forever later but we had to hold him in the cooler for like six months and that's a long time and they would come back and they were constantly getting fingerprints i don't know why they would come back and get multiple sets of fingerprints on him and um turns out he was like a con man he had married all these women changed his name all the yeah and we had him i mean i felt kind of cool I never yeah. got to meet him or anything, but never got to meet. Yeah. Him. <laughs> Walk in the cooler, hey, yeah, how's dude. It going? Yeah, and this dude was like a con artist, and he'd been, I don't know, he'd been. I guess I can't remember. He had like eight or nine marriages, and he was like currently like still married, and yeah. So he could never. They would just leave him in the cooler that long. Yeah, they had to leave him because they needed. Um, I want to say eventually it came down to. I think we ended up having to like take pictures of all of his tattoos and that's how they ended up identifying, identifying him. him. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I remember it was super weird. I remember like on the call, it wasn't anything. I mean, he was just like in an apartment and died of a heart attack. Um, and the judge was like, we're getting like multiple, we're getting like really weird IDs on this guy. Cause he has one ID in his pocket and that one's, that one looks okay. But then um, his social doesn't match with it. We try to like, I guess the cops try to run it and that guy's been dead. So I don't I don't know. I was like, oh okay, cool. Didn't think anything of it, dude. And then sure enough, like we couldn't get any next to Ken on him, nothing. And then it was just like every week the cops are coming and they were just like, keep him here for a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And that's that. But that happens a lot. You'll end up having to keep bodies for a long time. Yeah. Um, like if there's could be disputes over the remains between family and spouses. Could be uh, investigative purposes, insurance claims. There was one we kept for like three months over a pending insurance claim because they were like, yeah, I can't remember. He had like a prearranged, he had a prearranged funeral, but the family was fighting the insurance company because they wanted him to be cremated and scattered across some national park. And it's 
But that's gross. It's gross when you keep a body that long. Yeah. yeah. It's that's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. What, how, how fast does the body decompose? when? Well, the, the refrigeration slows it down. About a week. <laughs> yeah, about a week, yeah. That's not much. It's, yeah, it's like it slows it down, but then the smell really starts to take over after about a week. It's not – I don't know what it is. It's like you press on their body. Like if you touch yourself right now, right, like you're squishy. Sure. But after about a week, if you if you were like to fill them, it's like really hard and it's crispy, if yeah. that makes sense. Like if you touch them, you literally can – you can hear the air bubbles like popping inside their arm. Yeah. Um, it's like have you ever seen crepitus, like subcutaneous emphysema? Mm-mm. Okay, well. Never mind. It's kind of like that. <laughs> Neither um, have I, bro. All right. Well, <laughs> dog on it. Um, it was like 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 squishing a rice krispie treat. Yeah, that's kind of what it's. That's kind of like that. Yeah. Like. And they are, they have embalmed these people already. No, no, they don't. Do yeah, okay. that, is that why? Yeah, I mean, that's why they yeah. smell. Because if they embalm them, they wouldn't. Uh, if you embalm them, it takes longer. You still don't want them for. I think. Man, and it's kind of weird. Everybody embalms different because of conditions you know so some people take fluid better than others some people don't um if you embalm somebody they can go two weeks and look fine you know that's a that's a long time like that's a that's a long time um it helps if you can get them fresh like yeah within like a few hours of dying if you can get them on the embalming table in a hurry yeah it's nice before all their vasculature starts to like collapse right yeah because i think like after three or four days the embalming is pretty much useless like you can still do it but it's not going to take near as well and it's just, um, you're going to be able to tell, you know, type of deal. Um, but when they haven't been embalmed in there in the cooler, like, after a week, it's, you got to do something. So normally, if they've been in there for about a week and they're not going anywhere, we have to body bag them. Um, because then the fluids start coming out. Then they really start getting, you know, the gases. You know, that's what it is. Whenever you press on their bottles, gas is popping, obviously. But um, I don't know if that's obvious, guys. It's just, in my head, it's obvious <laughs> because I know that. Um but yeah, it just gets really bad. Like, yeah. Then yeah. there's, dude, I don't know. Okay, we'll, we'll just dive into this. When somebody has not been embalmed and they've been in the cooler for like two weeks, you're talking like fluids out the eyes, ears, nose, and it's it starts to drip and it's all over the cooler floor. So then we got to body bag them. And uh, depending on their size, they're going to leak more. And uh, so some people, when you get like somebody that's really big and they've been, um, leaking like that and you have them in a body bag well it just collects in the corner of a body bag right so when it's time to get them out of there right you got to transfer them if you have somebody new transfer them they without a doubt will get that bag caught (laughs) and it will rip that bag open and all that juice comes out and it is so bad it is we have a spray i can't remember what it was called it was osium yeah yeah and it smells like well, it smells like shit too. Yeah, I, can't, I still can't smell that <laughs> stuff, man. It's like, oh. It smells better than better than that. It was flavor. Yeah. It was supposed to be bubblegum scent, but it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> and um, man, and then eventually, you know, unfortunately, if they're in there for too long, then you got maggots and yeah, and then that's a whole, and they spread. Yeah, maggots oh, will wow. spread, man. They don't just stay on one body. No. They'll crawl all over everybody. You have to be wow. so if somebody they can get on embalmed bodies and ruin the body. If they get an embalmed body, they'll go up the nose. Yep, make more maggot babies, and then you have a real issue. So luckily, that never happened to us. You just had to uh, you have to you have to check the bodies daily. Uh, keep them on a low shelf, or I can't remember. Yeah, keep them on a low shelf. Mm-hmm. That way, they can't fall down and. And isolate them off in a corner, man. Yeah, you have to really side. isolate them. Yeah, you have to be super, super careful. Yeah. Unfo- luckily, that doesn't happen very often. No. 
But we did have one guy. I don't know what religion he, he was. Um, it was something that uh, wouldn't be in the top ten of the world. But um, his mom said that he could not be cremated. And and he was from another country. Um, Australia, I think. So his mom said um, you can't do anything with him for six months. Dude. I'm sorry, what? I'm not kidding. Did he stay in there for six months? Did you, uh, you shipped him off, sure. I was I was gone. Okay. But it had already been a month. Oh. It had, yeah. I know the plan was to cremate, though. Yeah. They, they should have just gone through with the plan. They should have just done it. I, I don't know. just done it. I've never, I, I never talked to her on the phone, so I don't know what religion it was. Yeah. That's all I was told is, like, you can't do anything for six months. I've never heard of another religion like that. If anybody knows, email it or whatever, but... um. That one was rough. I wonder if it's like some kind of aboriginal practice where it's like you were supposed to leave them out, you know what I mean, for six oh, months yeah, and then yeah, you yeah. go collect the bones or something, but keep them in a fridge you know, for six months. I, li- I just watched a, uh, I was on YouTube at three o'clock in the morning, but I watched like different burial practices and stuff like that. And they still practice that. I mean, it's not inhumane or anything. It's just how they do it. But they still practice like lighting somebody on fire in the middle of the community. Yeah. Dude, that has to smell so bad. Oh god. That I can't I can't imagine what that smells like. That um dude, I can't I can't imagine, bro. Ugh. No. But also in a lot of those countries, I think don't they don't they pack the burial cloth with like spices and stuff? Yeah, and they do. So maybe that I just kinda covers it for a few minutes. I, I mean, Absolutely. they do that because the first time they did it, like they were like, "Well, this is a fucking mistake." <laughs> Everybody started puking. People were leaving. They're like, "No, yeah, dude, dude." I mean, like if you check on a body and you just like raise the uh, the uh, cream, oh my gosh, dude! I literally, I don't know, whatever. Like wherever you cremate people, if you lift that the door, retort. For, like, the retort. There you go. <laughs> if you lift that door for like two seconds just to see how it's burning or like reposition the body, you're gonna catch a whiff. Of something, okay? And sometimes, depending on where it's at in the cremation, it'll either smell like, I don't want to gross anybody out, but it smells like like you're barbecuing, for one, because it is, you know, like you're barbecuing. And then, or it'll smell horrid, like you just got to the intestines. So, I can only imagine what that smells like open. Yeah, those are, and like a retort burns at thousands of degrees. It's hot. It's burning fast. Can you imagine just putting somebody on a wood fire and just... Anyway, did you ever get anybody that was decomposed and then did a direct burial? Yeah, yeah, I had quite a few of those. And actually. then you had to put them in the we casket. Had one we had to casket, yeah. Yes, dude. Yeah, it was awful. That is I don't a, recommend doing that ever. No. And nope. that that was horrible. It was which who did, did you, you not, not who did you do it for? But what was it? What was it like? Uh, it was a suicide in a car, kind of out in the middle of nowhere. I don't think that, I mean, he, this, it was a, it was a male, 23, 24 years old, never got a positive ID on him. Um, I didn't at least somebody did, but I never got a positive ID on the guy. Um, yeah, somebody found him. I think he'd been out for about two weeks by the time they found him in a car. And so he's just like, when a body stays, uh, in a closed vehicle for a couple weeks, it, it, uh, it affects the process. Um, and it's just it's gross. I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to gross anybody out, Cameron. I, I just met you, and I'm sorry. I don't <laughs> want to. Uh, okay, <laughs> all right. Um, a person is sitting upright in a vehicle. Everything, gravity carries everything down. Um, so it all comes 
out the nose, out the mouth, and out the ass, if we're going to be real about it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so the first thing you got to do is you got to remove them from the seat, and they're usually stuck to the seat from dried whatever, everything. So you got to get them out of there, and skin always goes with them, and uh, it's just gross. And you get them in a bag. Uh, but also because of gravity, everything that gets left in the gut starts to really rapidly decompose because it all just gets in there and starts compacting. And uh, so they they pop, for lack of a better word. All that gas expands, and then they just, boink, they kind of explode, like, all over the car. Um, so it's, 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 not, uh, it's not fun, but it's even less fun when they've already popped. And so you just have an open uh, cavity there. And then the family wants you to put a set, a fresh set of clothes on them and put them in a casket. Ugh. And it just doesn't work. It just, we put a union all on that guy. Yeah. We wrapped him. We did everything. It didn't, it didn't stop the leak. The casket was, well, you know what, you know what yeah. a casket looks like when somebody leaks into it. Yeah. It was gross. Yeah. yeah did you ever get? Yeah. Yeah. I got one guy that was, I mean, it's just, this is just how it happened, bro. This guy was like 700 pounds, right? And um, so when it's like that, they have to order special order the casket, right? So it's the biggest casket that they can get. And it comes in, and this this casket's really big, obviously. And uh, so we put him in it, and he's so, dude, okay, so we didn't put him in it yet. Let me just walk you through this horrible process. <laughs> he's so decomposed, and there, he's leaking everywhere. And, you know, we tried to, like, we were thinking, should we put him in a unionol? Which a unionol is like an outfit that's... How would you describe a union? It's just like a plastic um, outfit. That goes yeah, it's over like, have you ever seen like those uh, exercise suits that you can get like at Walmart and they're like sweat suits that you exercise them and you just sweat in it. It looks like that. Yeah. Um, it's plastic yeah. and it has like elastic cuffs and an elastic collar on it. Right. Elastic band. And they make shirts and pants. And so you can put them on. <laughs> yeah, they do. And they don't go on very easy, but no, they do. They um, so yeah. So we were thinking about it and we're like, no, why even, why even do it? Like he's just going straight into the casket and he smells there's like a, like a smells don't really bother me that often, you know, but like when you have to get super close quarters with them and every time you press on them, something else, like another blister is popping and it's just, it's constant. And then it, it smells like a really strong pee odor too. You know, like pee just stings your nose. It's like that, but like mixed with decomp. And, um, and dude, I remember like we had this table, right? We would pump the table all the way up because the hydraulics were broken. So we had to pump it and we pump it all the way as high as it can go. And then we have the casket on another broken table that's uh, is lowered as far as it can go. So it's just like a clean drop, dude. That's all you want. But if you don't pull enough, they're going to tip over and go face down in the casket. If you pull too much, they're going to hit the end of the casket, and then everything's falling over. So it's just like practice makes perfect, right? So we go and bless this guy's heart. I don't know if he was trying. I think he was trying to get a job at this funeral home, and he was just you know trying to look good for them, and he pulled too, didn't pull enough. I remember his side did not go enough because my side made it just fine and his side didn't. And uh, since he had the heavier side, he went, he went sideways. And then we had to like, uh, dude. And just then you're having to grab, he had pants on. So I remember like we had to do the belt loop. Like you shove your finger in his belt loop and you're like really trying to pull up and we finally got him situated, but dang it, dude. And then I had to drive him. I, I don't know if anybody is ever going to drive a hearse that listens. I mean, there are people that are going to drive hearses. Yeah. Um, they're hard. 
I don't like driving those. I don't like driving the limos. I don't like driving the hearses. Uh, they're very nice. I mean, get a nice Lincoln or a Cadillac. You know, they're <laughs> super, super nice. But it smelled so bad in there. And uh, since it was a funeral homes, I couldn't spray my spray, my spray, which isn't bubble gum, but it's better than that. You know. Hey. Yeah. Anyway, that's been mm-hmm. my life, so. So was there different kinds of body bags? <clears throat> yeah. Like different types, like some that are heavier and thicker or? That? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. They, we have, um, so you have like a uh, normal one. It was white. Super, super good, right? And you, okay, so there's also grades of bags. I don't know if there's any funeral directors that listen to this, but please spend money on your body bags because if you don't, we had a time where I don't know where we were getting these body bags from. As soon as you put someone in it, it was just rips and just rip and rip and rip. So there's definitely different grades, but then there's also body bags for like really bad um, trauma. If there's blood everywhere, you put them in a disaster bag, which is a, it was a bigger bag and it was black. Very heavy duty, had handles everywhere in case you had to come downstairs or, or something like that. So yeah, there's there's different types of bags. Um, yeah, they definitely save your life. They come in handy. They do, especially those disaster bags because it's like a heavy grade. It's like a, was like a rubberized nylon almost yeah. kind of thing, and it's got really nice heavy polyester straps on them, and they're they're, they're good nice. to go. Yeah. They're nice. The problem with those is that the handles are like riveted in, so if you do get a tear in the bag. As soon as you pull up, it just rips it all the way around the bag, and oh, it. Uh, yeah. But it's better than like the white, like Glad bag ones. Yeah, dude, we had some that were like the. I swear they were the thickness of a trash can liner. It was awful. It was bad. It was awful. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember Don't if like it. a company asked. I think a company was like trying to get us to use them or something, so they gave us like fifty or something. <laughs> And that sucks, dude. <laughs> Always spend money on your body bags and don't demo things for companies, especially cremation trays. Oh my god! Yeah, don't. <laughs> don't. If three guys walk into your office, <laughs> you turn them down. I, uh, don't do it. So first sponsorship yeah. ever. No, I'm fucking with you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't. Cause we, we don't. We, shit on we run off sponsors. So what's a cremation tray? A cremation tray is okay. So legally, they you can never put somebody on the ground. I don't know if this is legal or just respect. I hope it's legal. You can never put anybody just on the ground. And when they go into the retort, they have to have they have to be in some sort of container. And in this state, you have to have a um, a lid with them as well uh, for transport. Um, most of them are just like double. What is that called, Anthony? Double. It's ply. just double ply. Double cardboard. ply. Double ply cardboard. Super thick. Um, they look like this. Yep. Oh right. Oh. Kind of like a like a refrigerator box almost. Yeah. They hold up to about the double ply regular cardboard holds up to about. 200 pounds at the most yeah that's that's pushing it like if you're really comfortable or uh, careful with it in transport if you're not careful with it like you will um what are some of the accidents i've seen i've seen i mean if you don't know you don't know but i've seen some people like halfway pull them out of the back of the van to put them on the on one of the tables in the crematory and you don't do that because their hips are just gonna you know their back is just gonna go I don't know how to describe that, but yeah, so you don't do that. Um, and then there's more heavy duty ones. There's for yeah. 200 plus, which are called wood bottoms. They're small. Uh, they're not small, but they're bigger. Um, and they're made with uh, plywood. So they're sturdier. Those are for about up to 400. I'd say that could about hold to, a four. Yeah. But you would never be able to fit a 400 pounder in them. They're too narrow. Yeah. So then you have somebody hanging off the sides. And yeah. then for anybody that's, you know, bigger and up you have uh air trays and those are to ship caskets really but you can put people on them and uh 
That's what they're going. And those are really big, and you just make sure that you're... It's an air train. Yeah. And you just make sure you're going really straight when you put them in the machine. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to be playing the game where, like, you're backing out, pushing in, backing out. Um, Did you ever see one of the cardboard ones, Taco? Yes. Like, long ways? Mm -hmm. Dude, we took one over to a certain funeral home that will remain unnamed, and uh, I don't know, there, there was a couple of kids working there, and they pulled from the feet to get it out, but they didn't have a table underneath it or anything. One of them just grabbed it and pulled it all the way out. The other one grabbed the handles at the head. And, of course, all the weight's in the center, and it just, whoop. Yep. And it'll <laughs> it happen, dude. Folded them in half. It I'm sucks because like, ah. it happens so quick. It's it like does. even, uh, man, even towards the end, I would make, like, stupid mistakes. Like, luckily, I mean, they were never really bad. But I think, like, one of my last days, I just, I was pulling somebody out of the back of the van. And when you pull them out, the wheels drop, right? And you kick it with your foot to make sure it locks. And for whatever reason, I don't know if I was talking to somebody or something, I just didn't kick the wheels, and I pulled the rest of it out, and the wheels hadn't locked, and it just fell. And just, like, stupid mistakes. Like, luckily, there's padding and stuff like that, and they were fine. Um, sometimes, you know, it's just like, I don't know. You Mistakes happen so quick, like like with that. You can taco a box. You can pull somebody out halfway out of the van, and they'll fall. They'll fuck up the box. When that would happen, pushing them in the machine is pretty rough, but... Um, I don't know, man. I think I don't know, dude. I try to keep all mistakes to a minimum, which I think we did pretty good. But yeah, we we did good at that. Um, Didn't you want? Was this you that like ran a body out to the airport one time that was that was not the right body or something? <laughs> Luckily, yeah, no, I did. So we, we actually we I think we touched on this in a in an episode we long did. time ago, like a long time ago. Um, the basic rundown was this: we had two gentlemen that were elderly. Uh, roughly the same build, both white guys, and the last name of one of them was the first name of the other one. That's right, yeah. And so one of them was going to stay local, and the other one was getting shipped to a different state via airplane. So he's getting loaded into an air tray in his casket, and he's getting taken to the airport so they can load him into the plane. And uh, it was right at shift change, and... I came on and Mark just told me, he was like, Hey, we've got so-and-so to run out there to the airport. I was like, all right, cool. He was like, by the way, he needs to be there in like an hour. I was like, all right, cool. No big deal. Totally normal. Whatever. I just go in and glance at the name on the box. Well, not, not the box, but the name on the, cause we would put tags on everybody like, yeah. like name tags uh, at the foot of their, either at the foot or the head of whatever they were in. And uh, I just glanced at the tag and I was like, Oh, okay. Grab him, roll him out. Boop, load him up in the van. Turn on some tunes. Get to the airport. Unload this guy. Handed them the paperwork. Got a call. And breached protocol. Because we were supposed to stay there until they were... Until the intake process was done. Like, we weren't supposed to leave them there. But I was the only one on shift. And I got a call. So I told the guy that was handling him. I was like, dude, can you just take care of the paperwork? I got to go. He was like, yeah, no problem. All right, cool. I leave. And, dude, it was, I got done with that other call and got back to the office. And I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) It hit me. I was like, oh, no. So I called the boss. I was like, "Uh, hey, hypothetically, what would happen if I sent the wrong body to another state? He was like, oh, you know, you'd probably go to prison. (laughs) Oh, all right. Well, I definitely didn't do that. Um, I think I called you freaking yeah. out and i don't know you worked some kind of magic and yeah. maybe that plane hadn't taken off yeah, the plane yet or something taken off and yet, yeah. you usually get on there like four hours early 
So, um, yeah, we were good. But, you know, that, <laughs> dude. It's the scariest moment of my life. I thought for sure. I was like, I'm going to get fired. I'm going to prison. I won't do well in prison. I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a tough guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> it happens, bro. I mean, like, one time, my, one of my, well, okay, so shift change is super busy. Uh, literally, 8 o'clock happens, and you're running 10 bodies to different places, right? You only have room for two, so you have your other guy running two. And you have caskets that need to go out in the morning. You have this, you have that. And on top of, like, if you get a call, then you got to go to your call, right? So mistakes happen like that in the morning. I remember when I was working, I just – I did the exact same thing. It was like the names were super similar. And um, here, the funeral homes uh, racially are kind of split, yeah. right? Like, I don't know if you guys know that or anything, but, like, split. Like Anyway, so that's how it is. Yeah. Should have known that. And for whatever reason, I took this guy that I knew. And I, I knew that this lady was going to the other funeral home. I knew that. And I still took her to the wrong one. And the funeral director looked at me and was like, uh, this one isn't this one isn't ours. And I was like, oh, yeah, I was just, I'll be right back. And I, <laughs> <laughs> you know, luckily, like, he thought it was funny. And I just, 8 o'clock in the morning, you know, just a mistake, whatever. But I good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's it's embarrassing. I've seen I've seen people actually drop the drop off the wrong body at a funeral home because they give us all the garage codes. They give you all the access, so you go in. And, so if you want to in the middle of the night, you can go drop them off. Um, and I've seen people do that. They drop off the wrong body. I mean, luckily the funeral directors here are pretty chill about it and got it fixed. It's just yeah. I mean, it, things like that happen. There was one guy that used to do that all the time, and because you know we have the two somewhat similarly named funeral homes here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I know what you're talking about. Yeah. But they're on opposite, opposite ends of town. town. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> there was one guy, man, I would get calls from funeral directors. Like almost every time that guy worked, they brought their own body to us. Uh, this is going over to the other guys. Yeah. And they like, they weren't incorporated. Like they were owned by two completely different people, but he would do that. And it always pissed me off. So I started calling him. Like in the yeah. middle of the night, I'd make him take his personal vehicle up there and meet me at the funeral home. <laughs> <laughs> you do it. I'm not yeah. doing this anymore. I uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah mistakes like that. One or one time I didn't pass the word along that somebody needed to be embalmed. Oh, and um, I don't know. They were just like transport him whenever he's ready. And for whatever reason, I just called and said, "Hey, he needs to go out of town." And I didn't say he needs to be embalmed. Anyway, so we just had to go get him, bring him back. It wasn't like a huge deal anyway. But okay, so I got. I don't know what kind of tangent that was. It wasn't even a, a tangent. A long one. Bro, I don't even know where I went. In my mind, I just... Hold I up, know. I'm a segue. I'm going to save this and segue back. Here we go. Bam. All right, you ready? <laughs> what All right. <clears throat> so, all right, we were talking about uh, moving large, uh, yeah. oversized, oversized deceased. Now, Rachel, since you, you work, your specialty is in obstetrics, right? Yes. So, you... The, the women that you see are generally going to be, um, I don't know, and I'm not trying to say this to be like, oh, they're fat, but they're pregnant. So they're carrying more weight than other people. And it's kind of awkward for them to move around. Mm-hmm. Do, do your patients ever have trouble like getting on or off the table? Oh, or, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so is that a, like a common, yes. I always wondered about that because I never, I never knew how that would work. And some know? of the tables we have like our regular tables that, you know, you just step up and they get up there. But we have a couple that are electronic oh. and they have weight limit. So oh. they don't even 
they just either, if they happen to be in that room, that person, because we all kind of have our favorite rooms. So, and so we, um, they don't lift the table up, you know, because it's the weight limit. And that happens quite a bit, actually. So when you can't lift, so the table goes down to a set height, right? Does it have like a limit to how low it'll go? Yeah, I mean, like, it always stays that way. Well, okay, you go so either higher or lower, down. but yeah, it usually okay. can stay all the way down. You put, right. We put it all the way down so the patient can get on the table easily. Right. So if it if it's if it's in the full down position and they're over the weight limit, do you have to perform the sonogram yeah. down low? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. So I usually stand when I do my ultrasounds, but mm-hmm. everybody else either stands or sits. Most of them sit. But um, it's just my, I'm lucky because with my height, the table is just perfect. It's ergonomic. So you want to make sure you're either not too high or too low because you're reaching too high. You just want it to be comfortable. And and I'm perfect for my height. But like some people, one of the girls likes the table that raises up and down because she's shorter. So she can make it appropriate for her. And then there's another one that's taller. So it's, we all make it work. How do you, how does somebody react when Table, and then you press the button, and it doesn't go up. It's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nothing, don't worry about that. I'm Cameron, could you, yeah, could, could you repeat your question just a little bit? Sorry, it just, it was kind of like cutting in and out. That mic's a little different. Oh, that mic's not going to go. That's the one we got to get. Oh, is it? Yeah. yeah okay, that's the busted mic. All right, yeah, sorry. All right you are now one of our co-hosts for the episodes, ladies and gentlemen, Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so when you have somebody on there, and it doesn't go up. Do they ever have they ever reacted or any said anything before? I don't think so. I don't think they realize. Like, <laughs> you know? Do you ever just hear the motor turn on? Yeah, I'm sure. Up and like, I think that we that? would be scared to even turn it on to even try to go up because oh, it would break. <laughs> we would be oh, worried okay. about it. But I mean, we're you know you don't want to sh- fat shame anybody. But do you know a BMIs? Yeah. But yeah. so that the anybody that's over a BMI of thirty is obese. Right. Uh, biggest BMI I've ever had was 80. Yeah, we probably dealt with Whoa. a few of those. Yeah. Yeah. Good Lord, though. That's that's a lot. Um, that's large. Yeah, yeah, that's large. So, yeah. I mean, and, you know, that makes it tough to do the ultrasound for sure. But yeah. it's it's funny how you worry about the table that, you know, right. I mean, you just you have to because, I mean, those tables are, especially the hydraulic ones, they're pretty amazing to have for certain procedures that we do. But they're expensive you oh, know yeah. they're a lot more expensive than the other tables so heck yeah and you said um it can be taxing on your elbows your wrist your mm-hmm. shoulder because you're constantly helping people up right? right and the bigger they are the and, harder and then is, pushing right? on with the ultrasound for right. that long duration of time so and i actually re- i'm glad this is like my next topic so that was actually a really good segue to you that you went into this <laughs> come on um your your lifestyle you're obviously very healthy you run every day you do all these things is that because of your job or is that just have you always enjoyed running no it's probably oh the running part um came definitely later i've never been like a big runner from till like i'm trying to think what year i started running maybe 2011 mm-hmm. um but i wasn't like i am now for sure but um the i got we got in a car accident um just you know like a it kind of totaled my car. But ever since we got in that accident, uh, I started having like neck and shoulder pain. And so, um, went to the chiropractor, had to get adjusted, all that stuff. And they got me on this kind of like regimen for exercising. And so I decided I was going to go to the gym and start doing, uh, lifting weights and arm strengthening. And, um, that has been such a big help for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, 
that strengthening and this for the stamina has been 100% because I, I mean, I was starting to get like numbness in my hands and numbness in my, and you know, it's, I think I just got whiplash, you know, from the, and you don't realize how easy that is to get in a car accident because it right. really wasn't the worst car accident, but, um, it was bad enough, you know, but so, um, that's when I started doing that is, um, and that probably that same year. And then I just kind of started running kind of just because I've always hated running as a kid, I always hated it. And so I decided, um, I'm going to teach myself how to run. <laughs> so right. that's what I did. Which is very, Anthony, you ran today. I, yeah, but I have, I have massive misalignments like all up and down my, I, I was in a horse accident when I was younger. My hips are all out of whack. I, I have some knock knee going on from various things. Um, yeah, I, I just can't run. Like I'm not, I'm not, I have to fix a lot of imbalances before I can run. Right. Because it just doesn't work. Yeah. But kudos to people that can. I don't know how you guys do that. And, I, you know, we talk, we've talked about it a couple of times, just being healthy on the show, right? Like, you know, we don't shame anybody for anything, you know, for whatever. But for us, we've made this choice to be healthy. You know, and I joined this, um, it's kind of weird. I, I joined this competition, right? This weight loss competition with my wife. I was like, what the hell? You already right? lost. I was, like, <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I was like, what the hell? Let's do it, right? And, um, so I told myself like, all right, I'm not going to drink any Cokes. I haven't, which, okay. That was, that was pretty hard for like a day or two. You know, it was pretty hard. And I haven't had any sugar, dude, not having sugar as the fourth day I had friends over playing Call of Duty. I, and they were, you know, I have a bowl of Jolly Ranchers out there cause I love Jolly Ranchers and they were all getting them. And I was like, dude, I'm going to break. I'm going to lose my fucking mind right now, dude, <laughs> dude. Oh my God. It has been, um, I got past that day. I don't really have any cravings right now. I've ne- I usually eat pretty clean. Um, we have like Turkey, everything, whatever. That's pretty clean, I guess. But now I'm eating. Okay. This is, this is what I would say on the show. I would say that I eat clean, right? And which is true, but I would also eat until my fucking pants were going to come off. <laughs> so, um, I haven't done that, dude. I feel like I'm 20 years old, bro. Yeah. I, have, I haven't felt this good in years or since I was like nine years ago. Legitimately, though, dude, my body, I wake up and I feel great. Um, I'm not saying, listen, do whatever the fuck y'all guys want. I don't give a shit. But if you guys want to every once in a while, maybe just like do what I'm doing. But I drink, I haven't had a Coke in forever. I drink 150 ounces of water a day, um, which is um, at first I thought I was going to drown. I, I was pretty scared drinking that much water. But now I feel... I, I feel so good, dude. Um, my workouts are incredible. Like, I don't know, man. It's only been, uh, like, I'm saying that like I've been doing this shit forever. It's only been, like, two weeks. But, <laughs> but I mean, dude, I don't have, like, these cravings and, and stuff like that anymore. And um, I just feel good, dude. I, I feel really I feel really clear, dude. I used to shit, like, six times a day. Wow. I don't do that. And now I know that that was unhealthy. My wife would always be like, that's not good. And I'd be like, no, this is good. You're supposed to, like, shit everything out you eat. No, that's because I would eat in, like, such excess ex- excess that it had to get out of my body. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> it had to go somewhere. And now it's just, I'm eating, okay, I mean, I had chickpea pasta. Delicious, by the way. You can't, you know, certain brands, you can't taste the difference. Um, but, dude, I don't know, man. And, and Anthony, you're looking good, bro. I, I, don't, I haven't told you that in a couple weeks. I mean, I don't know. I, I always look good, but I appreciate the compliment. <laughs> but um, you are. Are you no, doing? Are you? Have you done anything? I mean, I know. I know you're an active guy. Um, uh, yeah. 
I mean, you know what, man? When school started up, uh, I lived because I've always worked in the trades. I was a tradesman from the time I got out of high school. Um, so it was always very active, always moving, always lifting heavy things, pushing heavy things. I stayed in shape uh, once I stopped smoking, especially. Um, but uh, yeah, dude, when, once I got heavy into school and got out of the trades, dude, I started just packing it on. Like I was sitting around for six, seven hours a day in a classroom. I was eating out of vending machines. I wasn't sleeping well. Um, but yeah, just a couple months ago, I just decided, I, I kind of looked at myself. I was like, man, this isn't. This doesn't look like me, you know. Yeah. This doesn't look like uh, like me. So, I've been doing a lot. Um, I've been doing a lot of functional stuff, uh, a lot of like picking up like hundred hundred and fifty pound kettlebells in one arm, and then just seeing how far you can walk with it, and then switching sides and seeing how far you can walk with it. And Bro, why the fuck? Um, <laughs> I don't know because it's fun. I, I don't know. Kettlebells do you know what I hate, dude? I hate uh, machines so much really? because they make me so sore, man. <laughs> Machines just make, like I can't work out on those darn things. They make me sore. Oh, yeah. But I can carry around heavy stuff and move it in weird positions all day, and I feel great. Yeah. Um, I've been doing a lot of cardio too. I've been focusing real heavy on my cardio, um, and controlled breathing. Uh, I did that today. Did you? I did, and I I started uh, getting really lightheaded. Yeah. I need to, I need to ease into it, but because last time we worked out, you were, I was asking you how your breathing is and stuff, right. like, and you were like, I'm trying I'm trying to breathe six times a minute. Yeah. I was like, okay, cool. I could do that. No, I couldn't. Um, so I'll give you a book. I've got a book um, by a guy named James Nestor, mm-hmm. but it's really big on uh, proper breathing, diaphragmatic technique, stuff like that. Yeah, I can I can maintain a heart rate around 135, 140, and still maintain six to seven breaths per minute. So your 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 lungs can do it. Yeah. It's just uh, you have to exercise them the same way you exercise everything else. Right. So, but yeah, I just do a lot of that kind of stuff. A lot of that weird hippy dippy, yeah, kind of out there kind of stuff. But uh, functional, dude. I feel good, and I sleep better now. Like I don't wake up in the middle of the night. Yes, I still snore, but that's probably <laughs> probably has more to do with my septum than, <laughs> than anything else. But yeah, yeah, no, I feel good. It's weird. When I left the theater, I uh, I didn't work out, dude. I I packed it on, bro. I went up to one third. Or, Sorry, I wish I was one thirty. I went up to two thirty, dude. I woke up today at two ten. Wow, man! Incredible, heck yeah! But you have to understand, like when David Goggins is playing in your ear, you're gonna work out like an animal. And so, uh, yeah, I did the stair stepper today. Have you guys ever done that machine? Yeah, yeah. Fuck that, dude. Ten minutes. I did it like on six, which is not fast at all. Believe me. Uh, dude, that was tough. And I, you know, I mean, I work out really hard, and then I did that, and I was like, holy shit, why? Why is this a thing? Why is this? Who did this? Like, anyway, yeah. So it's different. And and so like I just thought it was really cool that you do run every day. You do keep up your um. You, you and you watch your health. I think that I think it's important. Once again, I'm not forcing anybody to do anything. You guys do whatever the fuck y'all want. I don't give a shit. But I want to be around for the long haul for my kids. And um, yeah, I was not eating right. I was eating honey buns at two o'clock in the morning. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'd get up to feed the kid a bottle. <laughs> I'd grab like four snacks. <laughs> watch YouTube, eat them all, by the way. I would stay up to eat my four snacks. I wouldn't, <laughs> it's not like I would be like eating one and fell asleep. No, I would sit on the side of the bed watching YouTube and eat a honey bun and oatmeal cream pies. And I was like, oh, I eat healthy because during lunch I eat a turkey burger. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I, yeah. And it is, um, it's not that way. It's not. Now that I'm like legitimately feeding my body the correct things, I feel like I'm 20 years old. And it feels great, man. And I just wanted to, if anybody, you know, is, trying to do that you know yeah. it's um 
and you don't have to work. I'm just saying those yeah. are just my results. Okay, that's just that's just how it happened for me. I just um, and that's, that's one great. Thing, yeah. Twenty pounds, nice. Yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, and it's I haven't. Good. It's not from two weeks. Believe me, two. It's it's been. It's not just from these two weeks. I've been working on it slowly, but then we entered the contest, and I really took it serious. Um, because yeah, I I yeah, you sleep better. You do. I would wake up and be like, why does my back hurt? Well, because I got twenty extra pounds on my gut. That's you know, bearing my body down. You know, and it's. It was getting bad. Yeah, I looked in the mirror and it wasn't me. I was like, man, I mean, let's just get let's get real, real. You know, I was like, my wife really want to, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Really? Well, and you know that's true. It, yeah, it's, you know it's, a, I mean? it's yeah. a concern. It's yeah, a yeah. Like, she's got to be attracted to me, bro. You know, I got to get that. You know, I got to make her happy yeah. too. You know, so um, yeah, there's a lot to be said for a chubby man in the wintertime, though. Yeah, well, you know? yeah, there is. And uh, so in the wintertime, I'll go back to my old habits. And that's what, yeah. yeah and that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's the best thing to do. Just you seasonal. Get your swimsuit on. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. As soon as Halloween hits, just throw it all out the window. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's. Dude. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, but yeah, and I, I think that's really cool that you did. And we didn't get to talk about, we didn't get to talk about that yeah. last time. But you run every day, right? Pretty much Pretty almost much. every day. But, you know, we don't run like a ton, like two miles, three miles, four. Sometimes it just depends. But like today we did sprints. Uh, he has me do in bleachers. We do bleacher sprints. Sometimes we just do like a trail run. So it's just different every day. He comes up with different things to torture me. Oh. So <laughs> I mean, she's like, we just do like two or three yeah, miles. Like, it's like, really not you know, much, yeah. really. One town to the other. It's just yeah. slow jog, slow pace. Yeah, about dude. seven, eight miles an hour. Yeah, I'm like, dude. I mean, that that is, uh, that's, it's, it's really impressive. Let me ask you this about your knees. How are they? I don't have bad knees. I'm very lucky. I don't. I don't know. Um, I did have a hip issue Mm -hmm. uh, for a while, but chiropractor helped me get out of that. And so my massage therapist, he I go have massages once a month with Mm -hmm. this guy. That's great. So he's uh, helped me a lot. So, um, but I just stretch. I mean, and I'm not even a big stretcher. It's the thing. You know, I'm always getting in trouble by my trainer. (laughs) You need to stretch more, but. I, a lot of times I just like we get there and I just run, you know, because it's yeah. like we're s- such in a hurry. Like I'm running from work, pretty much hurry up and change my clothes, and then, you know, before right now it's before it gets dark. Yeah, because it gets dark so quick. You know, yeah. it's like five thirty, and it's already dark. So. Yeah, I think that's so cool. I saw him running one time. You did? Yeah, right o- right over by the church, right over here. I saw him running. Yeah, and I was like yelling at him, but. I was on the. We go. The we go over loop. there, and we run. Sometimes we'll run in the um, the volleyball court, sand volleyball. Oh, that's nice. brutal. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. Do that about twenty times, and then. Dang. Yeah. One day I'll. Well, who knows? <laughs> I'm gonna leave that open to it. I don't know. <laughs> well, you gotta try it. It's just it's it's so funny how you wouldn't think that that would help your stability when you're mm-hmm. running just every day. So that's why I think it's so great to run with somebody like that. You know mm-hmm. that that helps you and teaches you things that I would never dream of doing. And I wouldn't even, I'd be like, uh, uh-uh, you know, yeah. but when you're kind of like with somebody and they're showing you how to do all these things, but that running on that sand really makes you stable and your ankles get stronger. So when you're running other places, you're great. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty weird, but it's, it's kind of hard at first. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. I, I, I just, I've never, when I was boxing, I would run. They, we'd have to run every day. It was to the post office and back. It was two miles, but it was. I I hated that run every day. I, 
legit, dude, I hated that run. And if coach wasn't there in the morning, because the rule was like, you show up, he unlocks the gate, you run. If he's not there within 10 minutes, you just take off on the run. If he wasn't there, bro, I just, I didn't do it, you know? Just <laughs> wait by the gate. I've never, yeah. Boy, what a good good one this morning, huh? Oh, I've never been a runner, man. I've never. And see, uh, I was like that too as a kid, younger. Mm-hmm. I mean, I never, I, and I would have just, if I could go back and tell my younger self, mm-hmm. I would say, that start running you know but then my friends that I run with if they're older that um they've been running a long time they're said you were so lucky you didn't run when you were younger and I'm like really and they were like yes because this is the best you're doing really well you know and you're doing great and I mean I'm running I'm, I, I run races and I win races I'm a lot of I'm, I'm surprised I mean how I mean I'm not that fast but I feel, I'm like I, how am I running winning these races yeah. you know like so it's pretty awesome and then you know you have these goals and you know you don't run for speed every day you know you just like you can't there's no way you could do that you know you just kind of run and then it's so much fun to run a race because it's kind of fun and then you can see what what you uh your time was and everything but uh, and it's a challenge and so do you have like plans to go off and do like a boston marathon or I don't know if I'd ever do something like that. Like, I have not even done, like, a half marathon. Mm -hmm. Most I've ever ran was five miles. So I'm not one of those people. (laughs) I mean, at this point, yeah. I mean, maybe one day, but... Well, I can imagine the toll a marathon takes, right? I mean, the training for that has to be incredible. I can't Um, even imagine. I mean, 26 miles is... That's that's just unbelievable to me, Mm -hmm. you know, but... Yeah, yeah. No. (laughs) But, I mean, I I think that's incredible. And the guy you run with, obviously, is a is a good guy and and he doesn't take a day off so no he 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 goes to the gym every day yeah every day and you can tell i mean yeah and uh uh i guess he's likes to be healthy and have all that muscle mass i mean because i guess when you get older you do lose your muscle mass and i don't think you can really tell on him but um he blows my mind a lot because like last year well, I was the year before because we didn't have many races last year. He ran two, a half marathon, and the next re- week he ran another half marathon. Damn. Nope. That's good. I mean, that's... And I'm you? like, you're a great runner for somebody who's 80. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I always give him a hard time. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy to see, like, that mental that, that mental fortitude, you know? I mean, I saw a whole a, different thing. an older guy, at least in his 70s today, and he was doing pull-ups. Like, it was nothing. And I was like, dude, that's... It's in your head. Yeah. I really think it is. Yeah. And and I'm going to keep doing it as long as my body will let me. Yeah. And if I can't run, I'm going to walk. I mean, I'm going to do something. I did have an injury. Um, I pulled, like, um, what did they call that? Um, anyway, right here in my thigh, I pulled it. And so I couldn't run for, like, six to eight weeks. So um, my running partner would run, and I would just walk, do everything he did but walk. Oh, okay. And that way I kept up with, and I didn't lose and so um, that was great. That really helped me get better faster and um, kept me from getting, you know. Like super out of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. sure. I did that. I got hurt in jujitsu uh, multiple times. And I would sit there and I'd watch. And I'd be like, dude, when I come back on these mats, I'm going to fuck everyone up. And uh, I would tell them that every day. I'd be like, <laughs> you wait, dude, because you're my next victim. And I would shit talk these poor guys. And, and listen, guys. I've choked out three people. Everybody else beat my ass on those pads the second I came back on. Literally, they just sat in line, and they waited to beat my ass. And uh, So, whatever. It didn't work out for me. But, all right, so let's get – I want to dive deep, if, if that's cool sure. with you. Okay. okay. Now, um, 
Okay. Anthony, I'm going to give do you want to go deep first or you want me to start? Go ahead. Go okay. ahead. Get after it. Okay. You ready? Sure. And if you cry, it's okay. I don't know. If you're gonna, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, <laughs> whatever. I always cry. I'm such a, oh, I'm such a weak. Nah. Oh, here we go. I got to prepare my heart, um, which it's resting heart rate's now 42. I mean, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal, bro. Um, you, uh, Is that it? <laughs> Shit. My heart beats six times a day. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am um, anaerobic. <laughs> I'm anaerobic. <laughs> I mean, since the show is about death. Right. How, how many people, what was the hardest person, who is the hardest person that you've lost? In my family? In, yeah. In my life? Mm-hmm. Um, probably my father. Your father? Just recently. Mm-hmm. Um, he passed away last year. Kind of not super suddenly we were we were very blessed in the sense that um he got sick and um was having some issues and we didn't really know he was sick he didn't really tell everybody that he was sick but he was he hadn't um been eating i think for like 11 days he didn't eat and it turned out he had stage four um gastric cancer oh okay and um so you know it was kind of all of a sudden and then he we didn't know he what he was in so much pain, and it was just a lot of things that was going on. And then, uh, so, uh, but then he died like a month later mm-hmm. when we found out that's what he had. He was about to start chemo. That um, that actually that that day that he passed away that in the in the middle of the night in the morning, and um, so he had gotten up to. We guess he he would he's not a sleeper. He would get up really early, or he'd get up in the middle of the night and get on the computer or watch TV or something, and then he'd go back to sleep. And it was and my mom, you know, we were all like we were there and gone, and but we were going to start chemo, so we thought we were all going to be there. So we were like taking turns, you know, me and my sisters and uh, my son and everybody. So nobody was there that night, and um, my mom said she noticed he wasn't there, but then you know it was normal for her for him. And so uh, she didn't think anything about it. And then she uh, got up to uh, go to the bathroom and then went in the living room and saw him on the, in the, in the kitchen on the floor mm-hmm. face down. So um, I think he either, we don't know if he had a heart attack or what happened, but he went on his own terms. Yeah. He was, he did not want to be sick. He was not that kind of a guy. Right. He, it, he didn't like to show weakness um, he's a Navy guy, and um, actually, he did 462 funerals for volleys. Have you ever heard of those? I have not. No, I don't think I have. So, um, what they do is, um, if you're in the military, you, they give you military funerals. Well, all these guys volunteer to do that. So, um, they play different parts in the funeral. They either play the bugle, shoot the gun, whatever. I mean, and it's a big deal, and it's so cool and amazing. And they do the flag. And they fold up the flag, and then they give it to the, the wife or whoever, you know, is the, the first person. And it's just, it's beautiful. It's beautiful what they do. And he did 462 funerals wow. that he volunteered for, for wow. uh, different veterans all around the area. And was he from here? Yes. Okay, so you were born and raised here? Um, I was born in um, Oklahoma. Oh, okay, okay. And then you ended up moving here? Yeah. Okay, okay. And then, so what would... If you don't mind, I just want to, yeah. I just love learning. Yeah, you know, I was I, three when we moved here. Okay. Um, my dad had uh, was from a real small town close to here, and um, 
they moved to uh, another state just so for a job. Mm-hmm. And I just happened to be born there. They weren't there very long, mm-hmm. just a few years. And then we moved here so because it was a bigger place and he got a job. Yeah. And so what, growing up, let's say uh, up to your teen years, mm-hmm. what was your relationship like with him? With my father? Yeah. Um, well, he was... Um, I think we talked about this a little bit. He was not the most affectionate. I was, since I was the baby, um, I have an older sis- a sister that's my half-sister. She's like 15 years older than me. And then my other sister's nine years, and then my brother's four, and then me. Mm-hmm. So we, I'm a little bit younger, and so I think he kind of got a little bit more lenient whenever I was born. I mean, it was still hard on all of us, and uh, but... We just, we we did what he said, you know what yeah. I mean? So, uh, but yeah, we were, I think if, if all the kids, I would probably say that um, I felt like I was closer to him than any of them. Um, they would, it was kind of funny uh, back when they would ask me if they, if I would go ask him for money for the movies or something. Can you go ask dad if I can have movies, movie money? <laughs> <laughs> so I'd be like, okay. So, so I'd go ask him, you know, can can my brother have money to go to the movie or whatever? So, um, but, and then of course, you know, when we, uh, I had my son got pregnant with him and he helped me so much. And he, I mean, my, my dad would read to him. They would do puzzles together. Um, they were super close. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think he was really surprised how close he was with my son. Right. You know, now was that his first grandkid? No, no, or he had it. just happened to live with them. Right. Well, I mean, and, and my, my brother actually lived with us for a little bit, him and his wife. Um, they had, I, I don't know why they lived with us. I'm not very long, maybe like six months or something. Mm-hmm. And they had a couple of kids and they okay. lived with us. And then I think I got pregnant kind of around the time when they were, were there for some part of the time. But mm-hmm. then they moved out and got their own place again. But um, yeah, I mean, he was, I think he's like his third grandchild. Does that sound right? So... And that's he, was, be, he was, they were close because he lived with us. Right. And I mean, that's got to be amazing, right? To see that kind of connection with, uh, with, between a grand, well, yeah, between a grandson and, yeah. a, and a grandfather. Yeah. I mean, he sounds like a really good guy. I mean, and it's nice that you got to share. Yeah, it's nice that he didn't have to, um, have to suffer in a sense. Right. And that's, I feel like it's a blessing in that yeah. sense. I mean, we all wish he was still here and, and my mom, um, she's taken it a lot harder than she thought she would. I mean, she was really a lot more depending on her than I would want any woman to be. Mm-hmm. And if that makes any sense. Right. And mm-hmm. me and my sisters are pretty independent. And so um, I take a lot of pride in that. I feel like I love my husband, but if something was ever to happen to him, I would be able to survive on my own. I'd be able to do things. I would be able to, you know, know what to do in mm-hmm. uh not be completely lost and I feel like my mom was a little bit like that right you know because my my dad when he retired she was a stay-at-home mom so she you know he did all kinds of things for her and and she did a lot of things to make sure he was out of the house you know to make sure he had things to do and he did that volleys that kept him really busy and um they said he never said no uh we actually went to a funeral the other day and we saw some guys that volunteered with my dad and they said that they miss him so much and he was so great and 
he never said no to anybody asked him if they could fill in or whatever and then we'd go to different cities and things like that to go to to do those funerals so i was very proud to be his daughter for Mm -hmm. sure what month did he uh did he die he passed away in april okay okay so those upcoming holidays, how how were those? When you come like to the first Christmas and or Thanksgiving, and then it's Christmas, and then the New Year. What what? Thanksgiving how, how was uh, really strange, and then it was really. I think it was really bad because my mom ended up getting COVID, and so she couldn't come to Thanksgiving either. And so it was that was really weird. So we didn't have both my parents that you know for the first time, and um. My husband's family, which is just mom and dad, is only they come over for Thanksgiving. We all have Thanksgiving together, and we have for years. And um, so that was just a little strange. Mm-hmm. I mean, and we were kind of like this whole COVID thing. What do we do? You know, and right. we didn't know. You know, so um, my my father in law wore a mask because I mean he was the one that was worried more than any of anybody that would get you know. So we did fine. Nobody got sick or anything. So we did great, but. Um, I mean, there was really, really wasn't a whole lot of us, though, you know, it was um, compared to what normally there is. You mm-hmm. know, sometimes we have my cousins, my nephews come and things like that, too. So my son's cousins. But um, and Christmas as well. But, you know, I just keep thinking about the last Christmas we had together. And, of course, you never think it's going to be the last Christmas, you know, and it was a really good Christmas. Uh, so which would have been 2019. So. But, it, it, I mean, I am so thankful for our time together. And, um, you know, death is always really, really hard to deal with, especially he's probably the closest person that ever has passed away that, you know, to me, mm-hmm. except my grandmother, you know, but she didn't live in the same city as us or the same state. So you're not like you don't see them all the time. You know, right. it doesn't affect you as much, you know, like a parent that lives in the same city that you we see them at least once a week, you know, and, mm-hmm. but, um, death makes you appreciate life. And I think it's brought us all closer as a family with my mom and my sisters. And, um, we're just all really, I mean, we were always close, but now we're even closer right. for sure. And so do you just, do you talk to your sisters more? Do you, mm-hmm. I was, I, I was think, think so. I think there's this weird I, I don't know, man. This is how I've always thought about it. I haven't had the hardest life in the world, right? I think the hardest thing I did was working the mortuary. Um, I, I, I've always kind of seen, um, I don't know how this is for women, but at least for men, manhood is a weird thing. I think it comes in levels. I, I don't, I, I think you have to progress in certain ways. I think you can get married. I think you can have kids. I think you can get like a first serious job. Um, and then I think your father dying, um, is one of the final steps, I think, where you have to really be your own man, right? Especially if you're close to your father, that that communication and that, that guidance is, is kind of gone at that point, right? Um, now, for you, was he – let me ask you. Where do you – did you go to him for guidance? Do you feel, do you feel like that's not there? Do you, it's kind of a weird question, but how do you – I wish I had a better way to ask this question. I I go to my father so much, right? Um, I think a lot of people do, right? They go to their fathers, they ask questions. Did you go to your father? And does that make any sense at all? How how big of a formative role do you feel like he played? And how big of a hole do you think that that's left with him being gone? 
Um, and maybe I'm, not just, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but no, maybe no. not just for you, but also for your sons and, and all that. Well, my dad was really strange. Like, he didn't really like to talk about things that were too serious, I think. Mm-hmm. He got, he, uh, he kind of joked a lot. So, and, and he, he had these funny mannerisms and things, but um, he, anytime anything got really serious, he kind of like wouldn't want to talk about it. Anything emotional or anything like that. So I don't really think I went to him for anything, um, any type of guidance, but he did always taught me good advice, you know, and he, so he worked at, um, uh, a refinery here and, um, was kind of a funny story. I worked there two summers, um, uh, just to make some extra money. And because if you, your father worked there or your parent worked there, you could work there and make some extra money. And um, when you were going to college, and that's what I did. And he was like, you're going to go to work there. And I'm like, I already had my son. And uh, I was like, yeah, I need to make some money, you know. And you can make some really good money working out there, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, they, they called it a summer hire. And he did not think I was going to last a week. And I did. I had to wear uh, steel-toed boots and a hard helmet. And I lasted. I did two summers there. And I think... He, he really respected me a lot after I did that. Mm-hmm. And it was always everything. I think a lot of things I've done in my life is to prove to him that I could. Mm-hmm. And it's made me strive harder. And um, so, but I, we did get really close there because we would drive together every day, you know, um, had to be there at seven in the morning and he had to get there at 630 to make coffee. So we had to get there at 6.30. So that was torture for me. <laughs> so, but, um, and then also that side of him, I didn't know, you know, because I just felt like he was a little bit harder, a uh, little harder on us, and it just expected a lot from us. And uh, we always had to kind of be in line at home. And then you get to work and everybody thinks that he is this amazing awesome guy that he is but I just had no idea that he was so uh, they actually did an article on him one time um, and it said Mr. Reliable that uh, he was always early he came to work he never missed a day he was very um, uh, everybody could count on him Mm-hmm. And I think that when I saw that, I thought that is the kind of worker that, an employee that I want to be. Man, that's really cool. It's it's always it's really interesting when you find where somebody gets their work ethic and their morals from. You know, I think uh, I mean I have friends that uh, they didn't have that, and they have no morals, and they're in prison. You know, and uh, it's unfortunate, but I don't want to say they don't have any morals. That was pretty harsh, but <laughs> but they know what they did, and and it. Um, it's so unfortunate, you know, and and you really hope and pray that everybody has that kind of that kind of guidance and that kind of role model, you know, something like that. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't, man. And it's so sad. It's true. It's uh, it's heartbreaking. Thank you for sharing that, though. That's really cool. That's I was kind of scared to ask you that because I knew I I remember I I worked with uh, Cameron when he had died. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Um, yeah. So thanks. It's <laughs> it's always kind of uncomfortable when you're going to bring that up but I mean that's what the show is I guess but yeah yeah <laughs> I feel I good know. about it you feel good about it Rachel oh definitely oh no I definitely feel good about it I just ugh, it makes me so anxious sometimes when I got it's, it I yeah. know that I have to ask that question and I just like I put it off to a weird part in the episode and then we get to it 
and you handle it really nice. So thank you. Now I'll go back to your job. Sure. <laughs> what do you feel like the people that are coming up into the industry and everyone that's training? How do you? What do you think the outlook is like? I know the technology is getting better. Are the people that are coming up? Are they? Is it looking positive? Um, I sure hope so. I mean, I I have a lot of, um, you know, you follow uh, on on Facebook, you know, where everybody has your job and that they kind of post things and it's kind of funny. Sometimes it's serious and sometimes it's sharing things that maybe they that somebody is it's really rare and some things that a lot of people don't even know it's there. And we talked about how if somebody doesn't know that that's there, you may not see it or know mm-hmm. what it is. But when you, when you have that. Um, I, when I see this, it makes me have hope for the future of, of sonographers. And uh, I think that I, I really like that I specialize in just all we do is OB and Gen. So all I do is babies and then women, uteruses. We look at uteruses and ovaries. And so it makes me good at those things. Like um, a lot of places, like particularly like the hospitals, they do everything. And they have either they have to be registered in everything or they just get thrown into it. I just I feel so scared for those people because they don't really get um, um, the experience of just one thing, you know. So I I feel bad for them in that sense. But I am so lucky that I get to specialize in this particular Mm -hmm. area. And so uh, because I think you learn better and you the repetitive. And then, of course, if you know normal then you're going to see abnormal. Yeah, right. And Anthony, I've, I've been wanting to ask you this too, man. Yeah, but you got you got clinicals coming up, bro. In what two uh, weeks? A week? What? Are, what are we? What's the countdown? One week, four days. One week and four days. How are you feeling, dude? I'm excited for you. I've already got I've already got my scribs ironed and laid out. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dude. I'm I am so very excited. excited for um, you, dude. I'm excited, man. And, I'm and excited. The guys you're going in with the class, the you know your rotation. Yeah. Is it? I know this. You know what? I'm not gonna answer that question. That's kind of fucked up. But no, okay. Fine. But for Go you, ahead. you're going in. You're going in. How do you feel, man? Like you? Are you excited, dude? I mean, I just asked you that same question. But I mean, emotionally. Are you charged? Are you motivated? What's going through your head, man? As you go, as you're about to dive in. Yeah, man. Um, I'm jazzed just because. Um, I mean, okay. So what I'm studying, I got into it about a year before COVID hit. And so I knew I was already on the path to it, but honestly, before I started into the program, I did have some doubts. I was like, man, is this, is this where I'm supposed to be? Cause you hear a lot of things, a lot of people downplay the role of that job and it almost sounds kind of boring sometimes. So I was like, man, but then COVID came along and uh, I don't know, maybe I took that as a sign that this is, this is where I'm supposed to be. And uh, I don't have any second thoughts. I'm excited to get back in to something that uh, gets the blood flowing a little bit more, something yeah. that requires a little more problem solving. Uh, and there's just a lot to learn. I'm, I'm very excited for all there is to learn. Uh, it's a good place. I feel like we're here at the beginning of, of understanding a new type of disease. And I feel like that's a good place to get in on it and start understanding things. So I'm jazzed. Uh Mentally, I feel good. Mentally, I feel like I'm ready. Um, I feel strong. I feel resilient. I'm impatient, though. 
I want to get going. <laughs> Are yeah. you really, dude? Oh yeah, man. Dude, that's I'm uh, how, okay. And, and this is something that if I could ask you, because you're you're still a ways off from having to deal with any kind of clinical rotations. Obviously, yeah. you have a lot more yeah uh, in depth education before they'll let you uh, deal with patients. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, <laughs> just because your scope is going to be so much right. so much larger. Um, how is that? Do you ever feel impatient? Do you ever feel like, golly, this is a lot of book learning before we can get out there? And I, I did. Um, I would get really um, unmotivated when I would talk to a uh, advisor, and they'd be like, "Oh, you still got this, 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 this," and I'd get really unmotivated. So what I did is I said, uh, "I'm not doing this shit." So Marissa, <laughs> you set it up, and then don't tell me what I'm doing until the day of school, and then I'll just go where you send me. Oh wow! And so I have no idea what my classes are. I have no, I don't know what I'm taking from semester to semester. So I show up and I do it and I don't have an option to pull out. Uh, <laughs> so that's how I, that's how, and that's how I keep myself motivated. It, it helped. Um, when, okay. So the first class I took was A&P, right? I took A&P and for some reason, dude, in my head, I legitimately thought like everybody already knew A&P. Like they decided to take it for college. So I showed up to class and I was really scared. I was like, dude, I'm so far behind. All these people already know all these body parts and all this stuff. I'm almost 30. I'm sitting in this classroom. I don't know a fucking knee from an elbow. And we're going to figure this out, right? Well, then turns out nobody knows anything. I didn't know that, dude. I didn't know what college was. The first time I went to college, bro, I went in there for three days. I walked out. I never went back. So my GPA suffered. Um, so go back 10 years later when I find out that it's not like that, dude. So... Um, but I scared myself because I was signing up for these classes and I was like, everybody's like AMP so hard. And uh, maybe it was, maybe it was difficult. Um, but I studied, I just did everything the teacher said and I, I passed it. Right. And so it came time to sign up for AMP two. I signed up for AMP two. I signed up for other classes and I'm reading all these reviews about these professors and all this stuff. And they're like, don't take this one. Don't take this one. I was like, Oh my God, I took the one that everyone's saying don't take. <laughs> Right? Like, I'm freaking myself out reading all this, and I'm like, I don't want to do this. I'll just find something easier. I'll drive a truck. I'll do whatever. <laughs> I'll do anything. And um, I uh, was studying for an AMP2 test, and I remember just thinking, like, like what? Why am I? I'm stressing myself out over nothing. Like, I know this material. Um, I don't, I've always liked science. Maybe it just comes a little bit easier, but. Um, so I talked to Marissa. I was like, dude, I'm not going to do this if I have to keep on looking at all these courses and all these. I don't know what. I, listen, I'm going to be real honest. I don't know what the fuck three credits means. I don't know what that means. I don't know what a syllabus. Okay. <laughs> the teacher was like, okay, everybody, let's read the syllabus. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? I didn't get anything. Is that in the book? What page is that? I'm pulling out my foot. Dude, I pulled out my, my lab manual and I opened it up and I'm looking for the syllabus. Dude, I didn't know shit. Okay, I don't know. I don't know anything. I, get, I don't, honestly, I don't know my address. When I texted you, I'd ask my wife what our address was. <laughs> I don't know certain things because I don't. Because it doesn't matter. I don't know. I, I read this quote by Einstein. Einstein? Oh my God! What is his Did name? You say Einstein? Albert. Albert Einstein. 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 Oh my gosh! Yeah. I can't I just said that. Albert Einstein. I read this quote that said, "I don't memorize anything that I don't have to." Including last names. And he didn't. Know, oh. Yeah. And he didn't know his address. Oh, that's that's a brilliant person right there. There you go. So I stopped messing with things that I didn't. Now, maybe a syllabus is kind of big, but I legitimately Mm -hmm. had no idea what a syllabus was. Um, So I was like, okay, I'm going to stop 
with this bullshit. I'm stressing myself out. I'm going to pull out. I got two kids I got to figure out how to feed. We got to switch it up. So, yeah, my wife takes care of all my classes. How I stay motivated because it's eight weeks away. I work ahead. Um, I'm, I'm lucky, dude. I'm lucky that I had a great job where I could come home. Or I never – the hours were only like five-and-a-half-hour shifts. I If I was there super late, I could study after I counted money. If I had to get there early, early was 10 o'clock. You know what I mean? So, like, I could really study. I stay up late anyway. Um, I have a great wife that helps out with the kids. That, that really helps to study. Um, but that's how I stay motivated. I do sometimes still feel the stress, like, because I know I have a long time before they let me touch anybody. So, you know, whatever. But um, I'm definitely still motivated. And the other thing is I can't pull out because um, financially told me you're fucking 30, bro. So get figured it out. And I, so I was like halfway through mortuary school accounting program. Um, so I've also exceeded my limit. So uh, they were like, yeah, if you switch your major again, then like no more money, right? So then uh, they were like, you can't drop a course. So all that keeps me motivated, too. I, yeah. can't, I can't do anything. So um, <laughs> You have no moves. You just got to keep going They forward. got me by the balls, bro. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Uh, and how do, you, how do you stay motivated? Because you, you learn something every day. How, what is that? How do you stay motivated? Oh, wow. Um, for my patients. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like, we talked about how sometimes it can be uh, life and death situations. I've never had a patient that I know had a bad outcome that didn't make it. But, you know, the babies do sometimes. And... But uh, nothing that we can't can that's not something we can control necessarily. But um, I want to be able to make sure that the baby gets the care that they need to in the proper place they need to be. And if if I don't know something, uh, I mean, we talk other sonographers, you know, talk about everything. They come and ask me questions. We ask, I ask them questions. Um, I mean, some of the other sonographers have been sonographers even longer than me. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, pretty much if you're going to work at my place, you have to die because I mean, they're, they're, I mean, they're thir- they've been there 30 years, you know? So, uh, but uh, that, I think that's my biggest thing is uh, it's for the patients. I mean, and, um, and you don't want to let anybody down, mm-hmm. you know, you don't, um, I mean, you, it just, and I mean, you strive for perfection, but you can't. Medicine's not perfect, ever. It will never be perfect, and um, we all make mistakes. I mean, we all forget things. I mean, um, and we're, we're just human, you know. We're. Um, uh, I can't even imagine what it would be like to work in the pandemic right now with in the hospital. You know, I can't even. I you can't know, either. You know, oh, yeah. I mean, and and. <laughs> The type of job you're going to have is right now so important. That's like one of the biggest things right now, I would think. And, and that's got to be a lot of stress on those those techs. But they call them techs or what do they call them? No, no, you don't want to call them techs What anymore. do they call it? They're therapists. Therapists. Now, see, or practitioners. We don't like that yeah. either. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What do they call you? Ultrasound techs? Yeah. Yeah, no, nah, it's crap. Yeah. Well, they'll say uh, technician, and we're like, we're not, we don't fix the ultrasound machine. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. So I can't even imagine Dude. doing that job right now. But, but there's also a lot of doctors that depend on you to do that, you know? So sure. it's very important. And so, and the patients, it's very important. So, I mean, that's my, that would be my thing of learning things and, um, 
trying to keep uh, keep my skills up for sure. I mean, we were just talking about uh, winning the lottery. Did you see how much the lottery was right now? No, it's a what? lot. It's like seven hundred million. Seven twenty, I think, something like that. What for that Friday? Powerball? Yeah. So we all like got some. And I was like, so what happens if all our department is, are they, we're not coming to work tomorrow? <laughs> you know, it's like our whole department is going to be gone. And I was like, you know what? I think even if I won millions of dollars, I'd still do this. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, I really enjoy it. And I said, but, you know, we all love our time off for sure, you know, because you like to relax and you, you want to just not think of anything really. But I really just love it. And uh, it keeps us all so it keeps your mind going. And I mean, I just can't even imagine. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm still young to retire, but uh, I don't know. I just really love it a lot. And I am so lucky and fortunate that I get to do this every day. And that's, and that's refreshing. I have a, um, I'll just say I have a friend in the medical field. I'm not going to say what he does, but he, um, he felt he's, we're the same age and he fell out of love with it. Mm-hmm. And um, it's really unfortunate that he uh, that he kept working as long as he did, because I know that his patients probably suffered, and um, so it's really cool to see that you still have that motivation. I went, I saw Anthony one time on campus, and this man he bought me a Chick Fil A sandwich, took me back to his classroom. It was when you were taking A and P, I think. Yeah, that was A and P one. Yeah, yeah. That was before me. the face mask days. This is the most popular oh, guy in class right here. Is he no, really? Yeah, I'm he, not. he took me back there, and it was it was actually really cool. Um, it was, it was cool. I got to go to class with him for a second. I mean, we just had lunch. And everyone was, like, talking to him and stuff, and I was like, he's going to be just fine. He's going to – and it was it was cool. Like, you can see certain people, and you can just talk to them, and you know that whatever they're going to do in life, they're going to be fine. And when I talk to you, I know you're, you're a great stenographer. I don't even have to – you don't even have to swab me or whatever you got to do. <laughs> I already <laughs> – Bro, you, my vocabulary is six words, bro. <laughs> oh yeah, no, but I think that, I think that's so cool that you that you find motivation and that you're just that you're out there doing the damn thing, dude. I think that's I think that's super cool. And you run every day, and that I'm never gonna get over that. That's all that is just it's just keeping you firing, and that's that's a really cool thing. And I think that's um that's hard for people to find. It, it's so rare that you can find. Uh, motivated people to wake up and just do it you know it's uh, i don't know man yes. well you know but i mean mark that's it's like you say man you uh yeah you, know, you started to feel a little bit discouraged maybe in in your academic path but you are a fount of motivation that's all you do man that's all i've ever known you to do even if it wasn't necessarily one thing you've always got a fire about something like I've, this man has yeah. never, I've never gotten a phone call from Mark where he wasn't like, I got, I got a $3 million business idea. <laughs> you got to come on board. We're going to make a lot of money and we never do. We never it's do. It's never worked out, but we always have a lot of fun Yeah, and he's always fired up about it. Always. Yeah. Oh, and you're always fired up. That's about how it, I got to get through it though, man. You know, it's, it's even, I don't know, man. There's, I have to, I have to constantly find motivation or I'll quit. Um, but it makes it fun when I got Anthony, dude. Anthony's the funniest guy I know, so working with Anthony's fun. And then, um, I don't know, man. I everybody wants to win. I do. I wish I'd made seven hundred million. You said seven hundred. Yeah, I think seven twenty or something like that. Yeah, bro. I promise you, it didn't matter what job I had. 
they wouldn't get a goodbye. They wouldn't get a car. <laughs> bro, I promise you, this apartment, all this shit would still be here, bro. I would be so gone. <laughs> I probably, that's like, I guess I'm always looking for that 700 million, dude. Um, I know I'll never find it, but I think it keeps me motivated. You know, I, in the back of my mind, I'm just like, fuck it, we're going to get rich. And that's that's, it. that's in the back of my head. It doesn't matter what it is. I go full force for it. And um, yeah, I don't know. But how, what about you, man? It what works. keeps you motivated? Um, yeah, you know, I, honestly, I've never been an extremely motivated person um, until probably two or three years ago when I met my fiance. I had a plan for my life, and that plan was to go live in a van and just like drive around and never make anything of myself, just like camp out by rivers and shit, catch salmon. <laughs> catch <Yeah>. salmon. <laughs> I don't know why that was. Be, be barefoot, maybe learn how to rock climb. I don't, you know what? I had no plan. Anthony. And I didn't give a crap. One night, Anthony called me. He was like, hey, man, you want to go do the Appalachian Trail? Oh, yeah. And I was like, uh, but first of all, dude, I, outdoors and me, I'll do it. <laughs> but, but he was like talking to me about it. He was like, we just cut the toothbrushes in half. We have to get hiking sandals. You don't want to wear shoes. I was like, bro, what the sandals? <laughs> <laughs> you want to do one? Yeah. No, but he called me and legit, I always thought he was going to take off and he was going to go hike. Mm -hmm. And then I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I saw no, that post good. you made um, for your fiance. You, you oh, made a post the other day. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. It, I'm not going to lie, dude, it brought a tear. I thought it was one of the prettiest, the prettiest thing you've ever posted, but keep on, keep on. Sorry. No, you met your fiance. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Um, no. And I think, I think Jack and, and Waylon are the only two things that I really ever have pushed me to do anything with my life. Um, Cause I could be a single guy right now. I was never big into like the whole relationships, marriage. Eh, it wasn't, that wasn't for me. Um, definitely, definitely uh, having a son and, you know, waking up every day and realizing that, you know, that kid's going to form everything he thinks about life based off of, how I, how I raise them. And uh, that's a big one. You know, that drives you, that drives you when you hit the floor every day to, to really do what you can. Um, Jack obviously uh, is a, is a big motivator just because I feel like for the first time in my life, I've got plans. Like we made plans. <laughs> and so now I actually have to, you know, do things that will establish a way to accomplish those plans. So that drives me a lot. Um, <clears throat> and then, man, as far as school goes, uh, yeah, I'll be the first one in my family to graduate from college. I'll be a first-generation college graduate, and I want to do that, man. I, I look at I look at my dad. I look at my parents. Dude, they're worn out. You know what I mean? They they weren't able to retire until way later in life. Their bodies are broken. They never had time to enjoy things because all they ever could do was work. And, you know, they worked and they sacrificed and they scrimped and they scrounged. And I'll forever be grateful for that because it, it opened all the doors for the opportunities that I've had in this life. But I didn't want that. You know, I want to I want to be able to play with my grandkids. I want to be able to get on the floor and play with my grandkids. And I'm going to go hike the Appalachian still. Dude, I'm still going to do the Triple oh, Crown. Yeah. We're going to hike all 12,000 miles of trails. Yeah, I'm going to watch you on You know, you're going to come you're gonna come on the Appalachian, dude. You've got to. Oh, I'm taking the boys uh, when they graduate <laughs> high school, and we're going to go do it. It's a short hike. It's like a four-month hike. Oh so we can God. do it like the summer in between. 
there's stops like every other day. Dude, so look at my not, hands, like, bro. <laughs> you don't need your hands to hike, baby there's girl. No All you got to do is your feet. <laughs> Dude, left, right, left, bro, right. My I use lotion every day, bro. There's no. My skin is so smooth. Uh, can you imagine what that would do to my hands about a walking stick? My hands are soft, crazy soft too, but they always have been. I don't know why, but. Just come with us. It'll be fine. <laughs> you'll be fine. We, oh, it, we only have to carry like 60 pounds of gear. Oh, my God. You'll be, you'll be fine, dude. You want to talk about stretching those shoulders back and <laughs> releasing the tension in there? I know? bet it's got to be beautiful, though. The Appalachian just, looks really nice. I can imagine um, a four-month away from everything. The Pacific Crest is the one I really want to do. That's like an eight-month hike. Uh, it starts in Mexico, somewhere down in Durango. I don't know where. Way out there. Way down there. And then it ends like in British Columbia. Oh wow! So it's it's clear across. So wow! But that's the one I really want to do because you, know, you get to go through Oregon yeah. and and Washington State and all those beautiful places. So, do you hike? No. No. No, I don't run um, in the trail light trail runs. Mm -hmm. I lie to you, but I hear it's pretty rough. Uh, yeah. It. We used to bike right out there all the time, but yeah. Yeah. it's um. Yeah, the terrain, I can imagine what it would do to an ankle if you, if you rolled it. You stepped wrong. Yeah. Cameron mm. Cameron um, goes to, to the canyon with my husband, but my husband's brutal when he goes, <laughs> as <laughs> me. What, he, what does he do out there? Mountain bike. Mountain, oh, you oh, know what? Nice. We always try to set it up. I always wanted to go with Dude. him. It just never worked out. Ah. But we'll do it. I still got a mountain bike. I got one. I've still got the same one that I, that I wrecked. But <laughs> Well, let's do it. It's I'll still ride that old sucker. <laughs> yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll set it up for sure. But definitely, yeah, man. And uh, it's a weird when when you had your son. Was that did, did you have that same motivation that Anthony talked about? That I guess that we both talked about. But it just sets in, and you want the best for him. Oh yes, definitely. That's what made me go to school. I'm the same. Um, nobody else has graduated from college for me too. So That's so cool, man. Wow, that That's is really cool. cool. And were you, were you just terrified when you found out? That I was pregnant? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, a little in denial for a long time, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, then I was just like, okay, you know, I guess I'm going to have to have this baby. <laughs> you know, it's just the way it is, you know. And, uh, yeah, it was the best thing that ever happened to me, though. It really was. I mean, gosh, Jordan is just – Jordan is just amazing. He's an amazing kid. Well, he's not even a kid anymore, but – I mean, he's 30, but he's a good brother. He's a good son. He's uh, hopefully a good physician now. <laughs> so, I mean, he just started. So, oh, I can already tell he was a great medical student. Even a lot of people have told me that he was. I talked to a doctor the other day that said he was so good. So, I mean, of course, I'm his mom. So, of course, they're going to tell me that. But, <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, for sure. That not that just crazy how kids can do that to you? Yeah. I mean, they change your impact. whole life. Mm -hmm. They really do. Oh man. What, okay. If you if you can remember this, if you can't, it's totally fine. What was the first two weeks of having your son like? Scary. Oh man, it was. Uh, I mean, you know how it is getting up in the middle of the night, and then you just don't know what you're doing. If it wasn't for my mom, my mom helped me so much. You know, it was funny when I had Cameron. You know, they're nine years apart. My mom was like, "Okay, am I coming over to stay with you?" And I'm like, "I'm good." You know, yeah. I'm like, I mean, she thought she was going to have to help. Of course, I had a husband, but mm -hmm. uh, he uh, he wasn't quite really good at getting up in the middle of the night or changing diapers and stuff like that. So he just, 
that wasn't his thing, you know. And yeah. I think he would be that way now, but he's he's a lot different now than he used to be back then. But uh, yeah, I did it on my own, and uh, that was a big thing for me. But Jordan Jordan uh, didn't sleep very good at night, and so it was really stressful, you know. And I just didn't know. I I mean, I got there was a couple times I cried, mm-hmm. you know, in the middle of the night because he would just wouldn't go to sleep, or you know, it seems like you seemed like you had to get like five bottles in the middle of the night, you know, just to try to get him to go to sleep. It's just very frustrating. And um, he didn't uh, like take a pacifier or suck his thumb or anything like that. So he never would see themselves, I guess, because Cameron was a thumb sucker. And man, that kid was the best sleeper. Like yeah. he what? I mean, because they can sell suits themselves. Yeah. And so he didn't need somebody to rock him, somebody to... You know, even though I did, I rocked him a lot. I know I sang many songs to him and uh, tried to get him to go to sleep. But um, I don't know. And you know what the funny thing is, is those times in the middle of the night when you're holding your baby and trying to get them to go to sleep are the best times. And you don't realize it is until they're 30 and they're 21. And you're like, that was just me and him together by ourselves, you know, just us. And so that is, that's a great, great moment to share with your child. And, um, but yeah, they're everything. They're everything to make you want to do well. And um, you want them to be proud of you. You want them to, um, and to learn, you know, you want them to, because you think about, okay, if I get up and go to work every day, they're going to see that, Mm -hmm. you know, they're going to, they know that you're, you know, that if you don't go to work and they see, oh, well, I don't want to go to work today because I just don't feel like going or whatever, they're going to see that. They're going to grow up, and they pay attention to a lot more than you know that they they know and things. Yeah, I've, yeah. My daughter's two, and I've, uh, I've, I've learned that she's watched me a lot more than I could have ever thought. Um. Yeah, it, it's it is really weird that you're just gonna have this impact on this other person for the rest of their life, and it's it's such responsibility because they don't have the choice, you know. Like we were all given a choice, right? Right. And uh, we impregnated, and one was impregnated. I don't know how you'd phrase that, but there was a lot of stuff flying yeah, around. Was, yeah, all right, fluids were involved. <laughs> and, and the other, Look it up on Wikipedia <laughs> yeah. if you don't know how this works. I don't. Yeah, and this, <laughs> the baby doesn't have a choice, right? Like they, we are what they were given, and it's uh, it is really, it's it's such a weird thing. I never thought I would be shitting in my bathroom with the door open, telling my daughter just to sit there, and this poor girl has to smell whatever's coming out, <laughs> and now she is like offering to give me wipes and I'm like dude just chill just sit just sit over there okay I'm just, <laughs> I'm just I'm just trying to do this but it's so weird how they do learn how they observe everything in the world that's going on and um it's sad though cuz they do grow so fast and like you're saying um you know my kids don't sleep so it's constant bottles in, at night and yeah getting to hold them at night is is a really special thing you know did, was your did your son wake up a lot he never slept, actually. Oh. <laughs> you have to go to sleep before you can wake up. Wow. So yeah. I don't remember. I don't remember, like, the first two weeks. I know that I didn't sleep. Mm-hmm. I know that much. Um, he, he had really bad gastric problems when he was born, and we put him on the wrong formula for the first couple months oh. without knowing about it, and it's, mm-hmm. it was a whole big thing. So he never, like, he 
he rarely slept. He makes up for it now. The kid will sleep for 12 hours straight if you let him, but uh, <laughs> he, he didn't sleep back in the day. And of course, my wife was not helping out, so it was just, ugh. Just rough. Just a blur. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure there were great times. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. there are times, there, well, there are times you won't get back. That's for sure. So. Yeah. That's the, that's the, that's a shitty thing, man. You realize like you won't get those times back when it's too late. I wish, you know, when my, sometimes my daughter would be asleep and we just go in a room and we'd lay with her for a little bit. Yeah. Now, if you do that shit, dude, <laughs> she kicks you out so fast. She literally, I, I was just going to put her down. So then we have like a little routine. We say a prayer. We read a book. I laid her down. I was just going to lay next to her while I was waiting for her mom to finish up her game on Call of Duty and come in there and say, you know, say goodnight to her. So I'm just laying with her. And she says, go outside. <laughs> Damn, dude. My heart was broken. I literally, I could have I cried. So I just ignored it, you know? And I just kind of like laid there. And she turned over to me, bro. And she said, go outside. I was like, oh, shit. Okay. So I got up like the little bitch I am. And I went outside. <laughs> I wanted to cry, dude. I was like. You know what I've done for you? <laughs> you know how many times you shit yourself and I was there for you? But it is no, sad. no, be thankful now. Just be thankful yeah. now that she doesn't want you to do it all the yeah. sense, spend all the time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And and I get the nice thing is I get time in the morning. My The way that our routine works out in the morning, I, I get to go out to the living room and she just sits on my lap and I watch. I've got to stop watching these kind of shows, but I watch. Dexter, yeah. horrible, horrible yeah. shows, and she just sits there and watches them with me. I got it now that I know that she does that. She watches me so closely. And I'm saying that because she was scratching her diaper, like she was scratching her balls the way I do. So <laughs> I was just like, okay, yeah, she's she's learning more than I think. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was it was weird, but man, I don't know, man. Life is a funny thing. So what do you have? What do you have coming up for the next? 10 years, what are your goals? What do you envision yourself? What, what do you think? Wow. Um, gosh, I really don't know. Probably I, I'm i pretty get much going to stay where I'm at. I like the facility where I'm at, um, the people who work there, of course. I love that we're teaching. Uh, so we get to uh, teach uh, medical students and residents, and uh, I like that. And they depend a lot on us because they have to do the patients at the hospitals on their own. So they have to really learn. Um, uh, other than that, I'd like, I'd like to travel more. Uh, I, we don't travel enough, that's for sure, but it's hard to, when you work, you know, mm-hmm. and money for one thing. And then, um, just, you know, my husband has a business, so it's hard for him to take off. Um, you know, they always think that when you're self-employed that you can just do whatever you want, but that's, it's almost the opposite. Right. You know? So what I recommend is work for somebody where you have time off, <laughs> a lot of time off, sick time and time off. And we have, since I work for the state, it's a lot of time off, you know, so it's nice to get a lot of holidays. And so I'm very fortunate in that sense too. Yeah. Maybe not make as much money as you made maybe at the hospital or something, but we don't have to go at, in the middle of the night to go to work. I'm not on call. Right. So we don't have call like that. That's nice. Yeah. That's real nice. Yeah. Man, that's nice. That's the life. I'll never go on, um, who knows, but I told myself I would never go on you're call. Going to, you're going into surgical, right? Yeah. You, no, you might as well just I know. park an RV outside the hospital, <laughs> mate. You're not. I told myself I never wanted to go on call again. <laughs> and here we go. And then you're like, I'm going to go be a doctor. I'll be in my mid-30s. <laughs> 
fingers crossed if I do okay. I'll be in my mid-30s when I start. My phone starts ringing. Yep. That'd be crazy. That's not... I, I think you'll do good, though, because I think that it's a whole different situation if it's what you want to do. Right, yeah. It does make it... A, um, yeah, it's like you say, you don't work for a living if you do what you love. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, I mean, think of it this way. You spent seven years on call not doing what you liked. And That's true. So, that was man, a long time. Yeah. 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 For sure. And imagine, you know, just pretty good, man. Be pretty good. Yeah. You'll do good. Uh, who does? You'll do good. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming back, dude. I I really appreciate it. You want to come back again? <laughs> sure. It'll be in, because uh, now we're going to be sitting off the board, but yeah. we'll set it up. Um. You can come back anytime you want. I freaking yeah, know. it was great. Yeah. yeah, you're you're really good at conversation. It's it's uh, it's really cool. Some people you have to be like, all right, dude. When you say this, no one knows what that is. Like going to detail. But no, dude, we didn't have to say anything to you. You just it was awesome. Oh well, great. Thank yeah, you. No, it was yeah. really cool. Thank you for coming back twice, two weeks in a row. And like I said, people love people loved your episode. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. know, man. What's, Thanks for bringing Cameron. Yeah, dude, I missed you, man. I miss you. How is it over there? At the theater? Yeah. It's still living hell. <laughs> 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 no man. No, uh we'll be we'll be here next week, right? Do you have time next week? I don't know. Yeah, yeah I was planning on that. Oh you do? Okay. I I plan every every week. Okay, you know, okay, cool. Unless um, something just happens, but I don't foresee anything. Happening. I think we'll do next week and then you start clinicals. Yeah. So when you start clinicals, so, I'll send off the board. That'll work. We'll get it fixed up. We have like six episodes on back order. That are from way back, way back, but they're um, good episodes though. Yeah, they're good episodes. Um, so we'll do that and we'll get back the board and then we can have four people on at one time when we get the board fixed. So we're going to have chaos. Um, utter. we are having, what was I going to say? Oh guys, I forgot to tell you guys about the new sponsorship. Uh, no, nah, fuck that. Uh, we don't, but we are working on one. <laughs> I am legitimately in the process of talking to a company right now. Uh, uh, who knows? I'm not going to shout them out yet because they haven't paid me. So yeah, don't do, don't do that. Come through with it, Frank, or we're not going to go with you. Tell him to send me my money. Yeah, no, yep. I'm just kidding. Uh, he's a good guy. He sounds like it. I only talked to him once, but um, well, yeah. you can always trust a guy named Frank. Yeah, they're either the most honest people or they're just yeah awful or people. Fuck yeah, there's no yeah. in between on Frank's. <laughs> So. Hey, I have a. I, <laughs> I have, think you just ruined your sponsorship yeah, shots did, there, yeah. pal. Fuck it, I ruined the four <laughs> other ones too. So, um, don't I can't let you leave because I got to talk to you about that paramedic. Yeah, we also have to do the call. All oh, we have to do the call. Let me. I'll email in a second. Okay. Um, I'm missing one freaking key thing, dude. Oh, the good news. Oh, the, the good, good news. news. I thought I was gonna miss it. What's the good news today, man? Hmm. What's the good news today? Oh, that's what it was. Go ahead. Max. Yes. We have that meeting on Saturday. Yeah. I already told you that, though. We can do that. <laughs> Sorry, dude. So, no, 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 you're good. Sorry, good news. We got to cover it. Um, what's the good news today? What's the good news today? When you listen to the show and we just bullshit like this, is that okay? Oh, I love it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's actually some really good, good. I love listening to that because it's like you're sitting here. And I'm sitting here right now, but I mean, I feel like I am. I'm, we're just like talking, you know? Yeah. Okay. I was like, sometimes I'm like, dude, I did that for five minutes. Sometimes I look at the board. <laughs> and I'm like, I had no idea what I was going on about for five minutes. 
Just as long as you're cool with it. I mean, I'm yeah. all right, cool. I'm pretty sure everybody else is as well. <laughs> okay. People like the ad lib. Yeah. People love your tangents. They love your stories. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Did your trainer listen to your episode? Um, I don't think so. No? Rude. I'm going to have to talk to him. Yeah. I didn't get to go to a movie this week. I wanted to go so bad, and I don't know what happened. He doesn't know anything about podcasts, so I told him, I said, I'll have to show him how to do it. So oh, okay. I think he'll listen to it if I just show him. <laughs> He's a little not computer savvy. You know how that is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. either am I, though, so it's yeah, okay. Same. I don't um, know how you do all this. Yeah. You know how this works. Uh, dude, uh, this is the only reason I could do it, the on button and then record. There you go. And then Marissa does the rest, That's bro, because who knows? <laughs> after that, it's like Elon Musk, bro. <laughs> it's seriously, like, after it goes, after you take out the SD, to me, bro, it's like SpaceX. And you're literally, you have to, like, start with the carbon wires and all I don't mm-hmm. even know if they're carbon. Whatever. I don't know shit. Dude, how many times were we at the theater? I couldn't even log on to the computer, bro. Like, <laughs> dude, you're talking. Yeah, anyway. Oh, but good news. Sorry, sorry, I cut you no, off no, 55 no. times. No, no, no. Um, that was actually good because it was giving me time to think about the good news. Okay. Here's the, here's the good news uh, for this week. Um, obviously, with... Uh, with the pandemic and the way everything's been thrown out of whack all around the world, uh, a lot of us have just haven't had time to connect with anybody in a long time. We've, we've been locked up or locked down or locked out or whatever. And, uh, you know, that's taken a toll on a lot of people uh, at large, just socially, mentally, physically even. Uh, it's a lot more downtime. Uh, this past weekend I had a chance to actually – get together with a, a couple of my old friends that I haven't seen for years, literal years. I haven't seen these guys and they used to be some of my best friends in the entire world. Uh, but with school and then COVID, I just have literally not seen them. And, uh, <clears throat> it was strange cause it was, it was like a, a day hadn't passed. It was like you know, that, that connection was still there. And maybe that's the good news today is that regardless of what happens Humanity is still humanity, right? We, we can always reconnect. We can always get to know people better, and we can always build those bridges or rebuild those bridges or, or reach across a line. Maybe that's a very important thing, especially with the way our country is going today, is that ability to reach across the line, that ability to put all the things aside that, that you think are important and realize that what's truly important is these people that, that you see every day these people that walk past you these people that you don't know you don't know their story you don't know where they're going you only know them for maybe that split second of time but to be able to recognize them as human and to be able to recognize yourself as human and that connection that you share uh, and and to realize that that can be established and that that we don't have to be a bunch of strangers living in a lonely world we can connect we can come together we have that ability it's how we're programmed and i I think that's i find that to be a very hopeful thing especially in a time where everyone's so isolated and battle lines are being drawn every day on things that 30 years from now won't matter um so maybe hey you know we still can't all get together we still can't do all the things we used to do but uh, maybe this week, I don't know, if, you, if you're going to listen to this one 
to go out and just try to uh, try to connect with somebody on the human level. Whatever that might be, say hello to them, look them in the eye. That's a hard thing for a lot of people. Looking other people in the eye can be hard. Maybe just go out and try to look another person in the eye. Say hello. Pass a good word on in times where good words are few. That's all I got. I love your... Uh, I say that every time, but... I know. Stop. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, man. That was good. That was a lot of fun. That was uh, our was longest fun. episode, I think. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, we're over two. Sorry if we kept you up nice. late, though. No, we're good. Okay, cool. Cool. No, she only has to run like four miles tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> totally fine. Nothing, nothing oh, major. Uh, yeah, thanks. Um, definitely in the future. We'll get it worked out. Have you back on. Okay. Um, Anytime. Yeah, dude, that's fun. I freaking love doing this, man. I actually, I like really do. After I made peace with it and I was like, no, we're just going to do it. I like, I don't know, man. It's just different. Heck yeah. Yeah, it's fun. It's a lot. It's a lot, a lot of fun. Um, gosh, dar- oh, Dude, that's yeah. the freaking news that I forget to tell everybody. <laughs> uh, shirts are gonna be coming. It wasn't a sponsorship. I don't. I know I said sponsorship. Mm-hmm. It is not a sponsorship. Oh, by okay. the way, it's uh, shirt connection. Which um, actually, I don't even know where Frank came from because I'm gonna be real honest with you. I was just bullshitting. Because right, uh, oh. honestly, uh, <laughs> shirts are on the way. I know I said that like 50 times, but there's no Frank. There's no sponsorship, but there's shirts and. Uh, I don't know how soon that is. I don't know how to set up a store. Sure, we can do an Instagram or something like that. Um, yeah, we'll put a link up on the... Yeah, we'll put a link up on, on the, the gram. Yeah, on the gram. When um, those go live. Yeah. Whenever that might be. I have like... Yeah, so that's coming. Uh, that'll be cool. As long as it works out and I think it's what it is. They can rely on old I mean, Frank. It's a, it's a freaking yeah. t-shirt. He's, yeah. He's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, anyway, guys. So that's coming. Uh, super doped. Super dope. Super excited. Um... Don't I freaking don't even ask me time frames because I don't know, dude. Yeah. Uh, but that's it, right? We're good. Sorry. Dude. I think that's. I think we got it all covered. Yeah. <laughs> I hate starting an ending. Nah, okay. Uh, man, so, okay. It does good. <laughs> it's it's fun. good. Fuck me. Nah. Kidding. All right. Okay. All right. Bye. <laughs>